0: The following program may contain material or language that may be considered objectionable. Parental guidance is
1: suggested.
2: SNS Unplugged, your source for pro-wrestling discussion. Because our time is now! Because the champ is here! Wrestling News sponsored by Wrestling-Online.com
1: Yes! Yes! Yes!
2: With your host, all the way from New York City. New
1: York City!
2: Do you know who I am? Blonkzilla. Tony J. Mirabella. He's got the
1: whole world in his
2: hands.
1: He's got the whole world.
2: Got the whole world in his ass And residing in Calgary, Alberta, Canada Mr! Money on the Mic
1: Say hello to the bad guy
2: Jeff Jackson
1: I'm an asshole
3: Assholes finish
1: first
2: I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass unscripted uncensored unbelievable it's unplugged
4: we are the best in the world at what we do
2: and it starts now
0: Good evening, guys. Welcome to another edition of SNS Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. As always, I am Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. We've got a big show for you tonight. We're going to be joined here shortly by uh, former WWE star John Morrison, now going under the moniker of Johnny Mundo for Lucha Underground. We're going to be talking about Lucha Underground and some various other things on the program tonight. We'll also be running down what happened last night on the go-home edition of Monday Night Raw leading into this Sunday's Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. We're going to be finding out what happened last week on NXT with Anthony Farley. We've got News of the Week sponsored by Wrestling-Online.com. But before we get to all of that, ladies and gentlemen, joining me on the program as always, he is my co-host all the way from the NYC, give it up for Bronxzilla, Tony J. Mirabella. What's up, J.J.? I've been looking forward to this all day gonna be fun tonight man I'm, I'm looking forward to the show i'm stoked i'm jacked yeah me too i'm i'm really interested in this you
3: know it's gonna be cool to talk to johnny always always a guy who on this network we we've enjoyed over the years and always put over a guy who i think is extremely talented in and out of the ring
0: well absolutely i mean the last time we talked with uh, john morrison was a couple years ago with uh, wrestling news live back when he was here in Calgary to do the show for Next Generation Wrestling, and he actually became the first ever uh, AAA Next Generation Wrestling Champion. Uh, you know, he was also promoting the, uh, what was it, Out of Your Mind Fitness, which uh, which was kind of an interesting concept. You know, again, uh, I don't know that I could do the Out of Your Mind Fitness. I'm not thinking I'm going to be jumping over walls and stuff, And you know, but uh, it seems like it's doing pretty well. So how's your week been? Um,
3: other than these computer issues, it's been okay. But I mean, I just have so much sympathy right now for like wrestlers because I'm just sitting here. It's amazing how pain in one finger can be just excruciating. What did you do to your finger? Uh, Nothing. I think I'm getting carpal tunnel syndrome from all my years of computer use.
0: Well, I guess that would do it, man. You know, you being a computer tech and all and, you know, typing on the keyboards all day, I, I guess that could happen. Yeah, I, I'm assuming that's what it is. Wow. Other than that, what's been going on? Not much, man.
3: I'm going to have a new work schedule next week, and uh, it's going to be interesting to do that, but uh, other than that, I mean, everything's pretty much normal on my end.
5: I
0: I don't have anything to complain about. I mean, honestly, I watched Raw last night. We'll talk about that in the Raw reaction segment. Uh, it's been a fairly good week. Today was picture day for Lexi, so uh, we had to dress her up all pretty today, and she got her school pictures taken today, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, I remember those days, man, getting school pictures taken, that's cool. This early, really? Well, you know, the funny thing is, yeah, this early. Uh the funny thing is we probably won't actually use the school pictures. We'll probably go and uh every year Harmony likes to take her to this uh professional uh, photographer that she knows here. And we usually have pictures taken, you know, with the family or with the girls or whatever. And we'll probably go that route again because it's just as expensive To get the school pitchers as it is to go and get professional pitchers done. So I'd rather have something that's nicer. You know, I I at least wanted her to look nice for her class and and for pitcher day. But I think when it comes down to it, we're going to pay the extra money or something that's about par and and get nicer pitchers.
3: Wow, they charge that much shit.
0: Oh, yeah. Especially here in Canada, man. Everything's everything's like extremely expensive here. Yeah. I remember
3: back in the day, it was like, I don't remember now, 20 bucks, something like that.
0: Yeah. So, let me ask you, right off the top, did you get a chance to, uh, I know it's been a couple weeks since we talked about it, but did you finally break down and watch The Breakfast Club?
3: Actually, I forgot all about The Breakfast Club. Gee,
0: how did I not know that?
3: So, I I will accept uh, whatever penalties are coming
0: my way. I'll give you a Razzie for that one, but maybe I won't this week. Maybe I'm in a good mood. Maybe I'll just let let it fly. I know I won't be getting the rubber tortilla. No, and not, neither will Anthony ever again. Ever. It's done. So he burned his bridges with that. He burned them bad.
3: Oh, I told him, man. I told him. I knew this would happen.
0: Turn yourself down just a tad. I knew this would happen. Well, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. Did you, by chance, get a, an opportunity to watch anything on the WWE Network today?
3: Uh, I was at work all day, so no.
0: OK, well, uh, the newest episode of the Monday Night War actually came on tonight and uh, it dealt with one Bill Goldberg. Now, you remember, I think it was three, four weeks ago we talked about this on the program that Bill Goldberg was upset that he felt slighted in the Monday Night War show because they hadn't talked about it. They hadn't really I guess they had skipped over and talked about him briefly in one episode with the NWO. And so people were telling him, yeah, you know, they they completely glossed over you. And he had a little mini rant on Twitter and everything. And then people said, hey, man, just relax. They're going to do an episode on you, I'm sure, down the road. Well, today was that episode. They did a, a full, you know, 45 minute to an hour episode of the Monday Night War detailing Bill Goldberg's rise from obscurity to being one of the few top WCW main event talents. And I got to say, it wasn't a bad show. Uh, I, I actually enjoyed it. I'm not a fan of Goldberg. I never have been. I never will be. Uh, you know, they did expose his weaknesses as a guy who'd go out there and wrestle for two minutes. Oh, excuse me. He couldn't wrestle. He'd go out there and beat people up for two minutes. But when it came time to actually go more than that, he struggled. They, they talked about the match he had with William Regal on Nitro that went about six minutes long. And he was really, really exposed as to not being a very good worker that he had no idea how to put a match together or anything. But uh, it really just deals with the rise and fall of the Goldberg character in WCW. And I thought they did a really good job uh, with what they had to work with. Was that the match where Regal started potatoing the shit out of him? Yeah, because Goldberg had no idea what to do. He just froze. He, you know, And so he was told to go out there, Regal was told to go out there and have like a, a six-minute match and make it physical. And so Goldberg's got him, you know, or excuse me, uh, Regal's got him in all these different shoot holds, and, you know, he's giving him the knees, and he's fucking popping him upside the head, and, you know, Goldberg's just barely fighting back. It was just awkward. It was very awkward. Yeah, I think
3: it's probably because he wasn't used to people getting offense in on him.
0: Yeah, you know, he was used to having those matches where it was like, where he was basically, you know, just running, you know, rough shot over all the guys in a two-minute match, so It is what it is. If you haven't checked it out, you have the WWE Network. Make sure that you do check out the latest episode of the Monday Night War. This one deals with one Bill Goldberg. Last week was the Cruiserweights. I'm really enjoying this series. Let's go ahead and take a break from what we're talking about right now, Bronx. And uh, I want to go to the Skype line, and I want to welcome our guest at this time. He is the former artist in the WWE known as John Morrison, now currently one of the superstars of Lucha Underground. Give it up for the Wednesday Night Delight, Johnny Mundo. What's going on, man?
4: Hola. <laughs> hey, guys. Um, little known fact about uh, me when I was Johnny Nitro. My original pitch for my finishing move was going to be called the 88, which stood for the number of weeks WPW beat WWF in the ratings, speaking of Monday Night Wars.
0: That might have actually worked.
4: Yeah, that would have been a good one, right?
0: Yeah. What, what, what did you
4: think of your um, time
0: as, as Johnny Nitro, by the way?
4: I uh I love Johnny Nitro. I thought it was a great little opportunity to to get on T V and work with Bischoff. Um, it's weird though, at the time when I started, I was so hell bent on wrestling that I didn't really appreciate <laughs> the the I could have gotten as the apprentice to Eric Bischoff and the spot I had. It was a uh, it was a cool way to like break the ice and get me used to being backstage at WWE for T V. But man, two thousand four Johnny Nitro wanted to be Inside the squared circle, which is uh, what I ended up doing, and um, I'm, you know, it was great to have that opportunity as Bishop's apprentice, but I really felt like uh, I hit my stride at Johnny Nitro with Eminem in 2005. Oh, absolutely. And then uh, those are some of my favorite times to this day. OBW with Molina and Joey Mercury on the road with Eminem. I mean, when when you start, it's uh, all the excitement, you know, and you're you're really just getting into the business and everything is positive and fun. And it's sometimes the longer you stay with the business, the excitement kind of dwindles because you've been there and, and done that. You've been around the world already. And um, yeah, dude, Johnny Nitro was awesome. All those people back then. Awesome. And still now to this day, I uh the, the stuff with uh, Lucha Underground and Johnny Mundo. I'm feeling all that same excitement that I had in Johnny Nitro Right now, again, which is awesome with this startup league, because the excitement is there. All the people are there, the talent is there. Prince Puma, a.k.a. <laughs> um, Ricochet, um, Chavo, Zeke, all the luchadors from AAA, Phoenix, Pentagon Jr., Masculista Grata, King Cuerno. I mean, all those guys are excited to be a part of something that is, is brand new. It's lucha. It's got a little bit of an ECW vibe, and it's got a little bit of a WWE vibe. The best of all worlds, in my opinion.
0: Everything I've seen so far in the teasers and stuff, the press kit that I've seen, uh, I'm liking the vibe of the show. Uh, I think the cinematography is well done. Obviously, the, the lucha action is uh, second to none. I've seen just snippets here and there. And uh, some of the things I've seen you and Ricochet do are just uh, outside of amazing.
4: You know, like I haven't, I haven't really been pushed to, to my limit in a long time, and I haven't wrestled this extensively in years. And um, I realized like, why I got into wrestling in the first place, because it's awesome. Um, I love wrestling Ricochet, Prince Puma, I'll call him from now on. And um, I realized like, how much I love wrestling. The, uh, the point of it is to, to entertain, and the opportunity to do that in Lucha Underground is what I had always wanted to have with WWE. You know, A canvas with freedom to paint with whatever colors I wanted to paint with. There's no handcuffs in Lucha Underground for the, for the wrestlers. We can do whatever we want. And I know you mentioned the style of vignettes as well. And, um, being a film guy, I was, I majored in film at, a uh, University of California, Davis, and I've been doing movies and stuff. And it's pretty cool to be integrated with, uh, Skip Chasen, um, Robert Rodriguez, Mark Burnett, because these are production people who are looking at wrestling from a cinematographic with a, with a film aesthetic in mind. And, uh, it's, it's all the best of Lucha, but it's got that. Film noirish, like gritty action film vibe to the vignettes. And I, I think when people see Lucha Underground for the first time on October 29th on the Elway Network, they're going to have their faces melted. <laughs> no, they're going to be really impressed by, uh, by the product. And so far, I've, I've been nothing but impressed with, with everybody involved.
0: You know, like I said, from what I've seen, it looks awesome. I'm I'm actually looking forward to getting a chance to watch uh, Lucha Underground as I'm a huge fan of professional wrestling in general. But I do like the Lucha style. I just don't see enough of it. I, I don't see a lot of the stuff from Mexico like AAA or um, uh, CMLL. I, I don't get enough of that. But I like the fact that this is going to be on an American network. I haven't seen a lot of stuff on El Rey. I have seen, like, some of the uh, – I know From Dusk Till Dawn, the series was on there, and I've watched that. That was pretty good. But I'm actually kind of excited to see where this network's going to go.
4: Well, that's the other thing, too. It's a brand-new network. I mean, really, From Dusk Till Dawn, Matador, and um, Lucha Underground are going to be their their flagship shows, You know, the shows that define the El Rey network. And um, it, it's a cool brand. And I know uh, Robert Rodriguez is been quoted as saying it's it's a network that awakens the renegade in everyone and everybody has that that feeling you know of wanting something a little bit different one to stand up to your boss wanting to do something that's cool but not necessarily in a trendy cool way that's a little bit grittier and i, I think the l Ray network is going to encapsulate that feeling that type of entertainment and lucha underground fits right in that genre and um in, in my opinion, Lucha Underground is going to be their most successful show because the, the caliber of the actual wrestling is, is second to none. In my opinion, it's going to rival WWE, blow DNA out of the water, and um, it's really just going to be a matter of time before people start realizing that they can rely on Lucha Underground every week for ass-kicking wrestling packaged in a way with high production values and storylines that follow through to fruition, which a lot of times doesn't happen in other wrestling organizations,
0: very true. Is it a is it a one hour show or is it a two hour show to debut?
4: It's a one hour show on October 29th, and um, they've already started talking about should we make it a two hour show for cycle two or season two, and um, that's that's going to be something that's going to be discussed. But uh, for for cycle one of season one, <laughs> it's going to be a one hour show.
3: Nice. I always found it interesting how in you know, the WWE, Johnny, you, you did wrestle kind of a luchador style. I mean, J.J. and I were just talking about what everyone talks about. You know, that spot in the Royal Rumble, that was just to this day one of the craziest things I've ever seen where you managed to avoid being eliminated. And when I think about it, the more I think about it, uh, you really do fit in to that type of style of wrestling. You've always been a high flyer extremely athletic in every way so it's I think you'll fit right in and you definitely sound excited about it I'm definitely going to check it out
4: oh yeah you know I couldn't be happier to be a part of it and when I was a little kid and everyone I think when they're a really little kid I I loved Hogan and Warrior when I was a little kid and when I got older I loved HBK and then when I got a little bit older in WCW I started seeing Rey Mysterio and um, then I started watching ECW and I saw Mysterio, who went to psychosis, super crazy. I really kind of fell in love with, with Lucha and the type of moves they were doing. And I realized that that's the type of movement that I wanted to do in wrestling. And my debut match with WWE was, uh, at Johnny night show with Eminem was, uh, Eminem versus Eddie Guerrero and Rey Mysterio at MSG in 2005. And, um, I had the honor of getting the feud with those guys and learned like from my very first feud with Eminem, um, Lucha, from the best, you know, two of the all-time greats. And um, to this day, it's a, it's a style that I love and appreciate. And um, when I was integrating parkour into my persona and matches, I would say it wasn't quite the same as Lucha. It's the same mentality, extreme acrobatics, and outside-the-box thinking. But I was taking from parkour and almost from sun fighting and thinking of movements, that, that I could do that were uniquely, uniquely my own that nobody else had done before and different ways to apply stuff. And I think that's when I really hit my stride as far as the type of movements that I utilized in wrestling was 2009, 2010. And continuing that, adding Lucha and bringing parkour to Lucha, it's a, it's a really cool Setup, and um, the, the type of movements, the crossovers and stuff that, uh, that's happening, I think is is really cutting edge. And uh, I, I think it's it's going to really pull
3: people's minds. Yeah, it's a different kind of wrestling. It, it's something that, you know, especially that it will be in the States, which is really great because a lot of people in the United States, unfortunately, I mean, we do get some of it on WWE programming and everything. But there aren't that many guys. I mean, you know, Rey Mysterio now is is. Probably getting close to retirement, he's not there now, and we just don't get to see that. So I think it's really cool that this will be something that can expose a U.S. audience to un- a unique brand of wrestling they may not be even aware is out there.
4: And and I think another thing that we're we're trying to do really is, I mean, lucha underground is a melting pot. So the movement, extreme acrobatics of of lucha, but we're we're trying hard, like with uh, with all the guys. I mean, you've got your your travel Guerrero, your big Rick, (laughs) formerly known as Ezekiel Jackson, me, Conan, Vampiro, um, WWE people, um, backstage, like, uh, then you've got all the Lucha people. I'm pushing myself to learn their style, but I'm also pushing myself to teach them some of the American storytelling stuff. So we're going to hopefully have the best of all worlds, a lot more psychology, but with the the flash and the, and the move that you, you don't see on American television.
0: You know, I was just thinking back to the first time that I actually saw you in the WWE back when you were doing, uh, was it Tough Enough Season 3? And the first time I ever saw a standing shooting star press, you had done that. And I thought, wow, this kid is going to be, uh, if he makes it to the main roster, he's going to be pretty damn athletic, and I can't wait to see what he what he brings to the table. And, uh, you know, you had about, what, a 10-year career in WWE from 2002 to... You left, what, in 2012, or was it before then?
4: Uh, it, was, it was December 2011, so pretty okay.
0: much 2012. Okay. So you had about a 10-year run there, and uh, I was one of your biggest fans in the company. I liked the Johnny Nitro character, uh, absolutely thought the John Morrison character was great. Bronx already talked about the Rumble spot. One of my favorite matches with you was one of the last matches uh, that I can remember... You challenging for a title, and that was when Miz had won the WWE Championship, and you had that match on Raw with Miz, where the ending you did the Shooting Star Press through the table, and of course Miz got the win. Uh, what, what's your favorite match that you had in the WWE at that time?
4: That's one of them. I mean, like, I, like that false count anywhere match. Yeah, because that was like right in that that time when I started getting the creative freedom to do the false count anywhere matches, which lined up perfectly with the parkour movements because. Parkour really is like moving through space over and around objects and applying that to wrestling is cool. But in the ring, it's got limitations. But outside the ring, like the the possibilities become infinite. So that match with Miz is one of my favorites. Um, All-Scan Anywhere with Sheamus is another one of my favorites. You know, I mean, my match where I won the Intercontinental Championship off the Mysterio in 2009, I think, was my defining match of the babyface. Um Ray was, is now one of my heroes and always has been. And he is, uh, he's so over <laughs> that I, I was a baby face at the time. And I, I thought that um, when the bell rang immediately, it was just going to be everyone cheering for Ray. And um, when the bell rang, that happened. Everyone was cheering for Ray. But they were also cheering for me. And at the, at the end of the match, they were cheering for both of us. And um, I, I think really that when you have a, a great match, with a great opponent like Rey Mysterio, you have a great match and you both get over. And um, I, I think that was my defining match to babyface. And, um, man, I, I, I could list all my favorite matches forever. <laughs> um had m M&M versus uh, the Hardys on the ECW pay-per-view is, is up there. Eminem versus Eddie and Ray at MSG is up there. Me versus Jeff in, uh my first ladder match at Ring, Molina ringside <laughs> is up there. <laughs> Um, Ziggler on, uh, on some of the last Europe tours, like we had all these like 25 minute matches, like 12 nights in a row that weren't televised, that just like brought the house down every night. Um, you no know, wrestling, wrestling Cena when I first won the ECW Heavyweight Championship is one of my favorite matches, and if I watch it back now, like I can't believe like how aggressive that match was. We beat the crap out of each other, and um, it's uh, it's fun to watch. <laughs> Uh, it's You know, it's, like, uh, it, it's hard to pick just one match. It's like uh, asking Jeff Foxworthy what his favorite redneck joke is. Oh, you
0: know? there you go. There you <laughs> go. Well, you know, I, I just remember back, you talk about the Rey Mysterio match. I remember that time that you were on SmackDown and you were one of the top babyfaces, you know, in the company on that brand. You had great feuds with Mysterio. You had a great series of matches with CM Punk. And I think a lot of those were over the Intercontinental Championship, if I'm not mistaken. But, those, I mean, that was a, a good little run for you. Did you regret or, or did you... Uh, did you want to stay on SmackDown when they moved you to Raw? Because it seemed like you kind of got lessened when you went to Raw as opposed to SmackDown.
4: Um, you know, like, uh, I, I did. Like, I always worried about that because moving to ECW, and I had that feud with CM Punk on ECW, and um, I think that was the best thing that happened to me in my, one of the, one of the best things in my career because I was kind of falling off the bottom of the card on Raw, but then when I got moved to ECW... It was a uh, became a big fish in a smaller pond, and um, SmackDown, same thing. You know, it's uh, it's it's easier to have more. It's better, I think, a lot of times in wrestling to be a, a big fish in a small pond until you're ready to pull that wagon on the big show. And um, did I, I never really worried about being moved from show to show. It just always kind of felt like wherever I am if I have the opportunity to carry the ball, I'm gonna run a lot faster and further than anybody else will. So it doesn't really come into my head when I'm traded out is just think wherever I end up, I'll put on the best show, I'll put on the best match and um more opportunities will follow. When I uh when I got moved to Raw, yeah, like you get lessons because you forget that there's 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 your your John Cena's and your triple H's that are um such, like, flagpoles that, uh, they're established on the brand and they're going to have to have their time every week, which is warranted because they are good for business. You know, it's seen as the name on the, uh, on the banner that people are coming to see, so it makes sense for him to be on the show. But, uh, sometimes I think it's tough because it's, it prevents talent from being built. And, um, I don't know. It's it, it's like something that I never really worry about. The one one thing that I always tell wrestlers when they ask for advice, it's an old uh, proverb somewhere. <laughs> Somebody probably wrote it on a napkin like thousands of years ago. Um, don't worry about things you can't control, and um, I, I try not to.
0: Yeah, that's a good philosophy to have. Uh, have you enjoyed your time away from WWE?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, WWE. WWE is like being on an express train, you know? You're flying through space at a 200 miles an hour, and you pass up a lot of cool stuff along the way. Uh, <laughs> I can't tell you how many weddings I missed and, like, parties, birthday parties, holidays, family things. Since, I, since I've been away, it's been nice since I had a chance to get back into, like, a lot of my personal relationships with family and friends, like, go to weddings and um, kind of, like, reconnect with, with a lot of old friends. Also, I've had the, the creative autonomy to do a lot of my own projects. Um, I don't know if you've noticed, but Johnny Mundo is in better shape than John Morrison was. So uh, one of the reasons for that is I uh, created a fitness program called Out of Your Mind Fitness. And um, after I left WWE, that, I put that out on the market, outofyourmindfitness.com. It's a completely functional training regimen that, uh, that I put together and um, wrote the book myself, did the the phone app, everything, me and my buddy Jeff Carrier built that from the ground up. Um, another project that I've gotten to do since I was away is a movie called Boone the Bounty Hunter. <laughs> Same thing. Wrote that, produced it and um started it. It's gonna be probably done in February and uh, I'm learning a lot about the producing process and that's another thing that I just I wouldn't have had time to do if I was on the road. So Stepping away has given me a lot of perspective and uh, given me the freedom to pursue creative projects that I've been wanting to do my whole career.
0: Yeah, last time we talked to you, you had come on the show. uh, It was another show. It was Wrestling News Live. And uh, I believe it was January of 2013, and you were coming to Calgary in February to be a part of the uh, AAA Next Generation uh, Wrestling Tournament. And uh, I I worked that show along with you and and several others, Conan and... um, yeah, you you were talking about the out of your mind fitness. So uh, how how is that doing? Is it still? Uh, I mean, I, I've heard stuff about it. I just don't know if I can run up the walls, man. It looks it looks pretty intense.
4: Dude, you probably can't run up the wall now, but you get out of your mind fitness. Give yourself give yourself a couple of weeks, and you'll be running around like crazy. Um, it's uh, it's it's going really well. Everybody that's purchased it has uh, given me great feedback on it, and um, we we pulled the website down. Four weeks ago, and literally uh, yesterday just put it back up and um and rebooted the website got everything uh changed up and um it's it's available online again right now for purchase the the first run did great we um, got the second run uh, back up everything's back in stock and uh i i couldn't be happier with, with how it's turning out everyone that's got it is loving it and uh it's, it's fun to talk about I'm actually doing um I'm out of your mind fitness seminars this weekend at the Battle Arts Academy in Toronto, which is uh, Santino Morella's gym. Oh, and um, I'm uh, I'm wrestling a show there at Battle Arts Academy this Sunday, and uh, doing a pro wrestling seminar and an out of your mind fitness seminar um, either Friday or Saturday at uh, at his place. Uh, Google it for information, <laughs> <laughs> or uh, or check Santino's Twitter. Or Battle Arts Academy Twitter for more information about that appearance.
0: Very cool. Now, recently, uh, you participated in the Superpower Beatdown. This is a series that I've been watching for a while uh, where, where they take different superheroes like Batman versus Wolverine and whatnot. And you got an opportunity to portray uh, one of my favorite uh, street brawlers from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles universe, Casey Jones. And you took on uh, Kick Ass. What was the process of that? Because I enjoyed the hell out of that.
4: Um, you know, me too. And uh, likewise, Casey Jones is one of my all time favorites. So um, when I, through friends and uh, friends, of friends met, the, met the guy that, that runs it, um, Aaron, he uh, asked me if I wanted to do what he did, beatdowns. And I said, sure, yeah, if there's ever a character that, uh, that I'm right for, let me know. Um, a week later, he's like, how about Casey Jones? <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah, sign me up. So uh, me uh, and uh, the guy that played Kick-Ass is a guy named Sean Cienino, um, Met up with Aaron and uh, put together the choreo, for you know, it together, um, spent a day rehearsing. And then literally we just spent two days shooting that thing. And it's um, kind of the process. Uh, we tried to integrate some uh, pro wrestling moves into the stunt choreography and it's uh, just kind of like Luch Underground. It's been a, it was a cool collision of all my worlds because I've been training a lot of parkour and stunt fighting for, for the movie projects that I've been working on. I'm always training wrestling. And uh, integrating all that is, uh, is, I think, what made that uh, the superpower beatdown, Casey Jones versus Kickass, so cool.
3: It's, it's funny how you mentioned that you were a Casey Jones fan because I remember watching the old Turtles cartoon. And they were all so disciplined and, you know, Master Splinter taught them, you know, the honorable way to fight. And Casey was just like the guy, I'm going to beat this guy's head in. I mean, he was yeah. just, you know, crazy. It wasn't about discipline for him. He just wanted to beat up bad guys.
4: I, when, when you're a kid, like, that was the, that's the part where I'm, oh, man, I can't wait to see Casey Jones because, you know, something crazy is about to happen. And you don't have to worry about discipline getting the way of caving somebody's teeth in.
3: <laughs> and I think he had the eye for April O'Neil as well.
4: <laughs> oh yeah. They uh yeah. Every everything. Like uh Casey always ended up with April, I think, in the first Turtles movie too. Um, yes. also Casey beat Raphael in a fight in the first Turtles movie.
0: That's true, he did.
4: Thanks.
0: He did, he beat him up. My, yeah, no, the,
4: go ahead. That was that people beatdown was was really fun and um talking about doing another one with those guys, winter soldier versus nightwing. And, um, we're, uh, we're already talking about, talking about that, planning on doing some rehearsals and setting up a, a shoot maybe in a couple of weeks.
0: Nice.
3: I got to ask you out of those two, who would you want to play?
4: Nightwing winter soldier. Yeah. Oh, I think, you know what? Like, uh, who would I want to play? You know, I've, I'm am I'm a big nightwing fan. Um, I'm a much better fit for Winter Soldier, though, if you look at the, uh, the, uh, the nerd statistics. Height, <laughs> weight, hair. Um, I feel like a lot of my movement is uh, fitting for, for Nightwing, as far as like the acrobatics and the parkour and the tricky kicks. But um, used to say that we couldn't create something where Winter Soldier couldn't do like a B-twist into a punch and find creative ways use the metal arm and integrate some acrobatics into that um, I don't know I'm, I'm going to play I'm going to play Winter Soldier in, in that one
0: well, that's going to be but, cool uh,
4: I think yeah I think that one that's going to be a pretty cool one too and the way the beatdown works is uh, who's going to win is post the fans and the fans vote and uh, depending on their vote is uh, who, uh, who ends up winning that fight
0: someone just asked me in chat a few minutes ago if you're still working with FWE
4: Yeah.
0: Okay. I think they were curious as to why you weren't there uh, last week or the week before last. I don't know, something like that. But uh, he was just curious. They ran a
4: show on my freaking birthday. (laughs) (laughs) How dare they? Um, No, I uh, I, I told them, yeah, I'm I'm still a a champion of UE, I believe, one of them at least. Um, And I I know that they're talking about running a a show out, out in Los Angeles, I think sometime in March. And um, I'm, I'm planning on attending the next event. The, uh, the, the only thing is I just had a prior commitment. By the time uh, Jordan from FWE got a hold of me, I was, uh, I was already booked, brother.
3: Very cool. You know, we talk about bookings. I wanted to
4: ask you this
3: because when you left WWE, there was so much speculation at first. You know, what, what is he going to do next? Were you ever approached by or did you ever have any thought of going to TNA Wrestling?
4: Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I like uh, I thought about it. I I I talked to uh I talked to Bruce Richard over there and LeGon over there, I talked to Dixie when uh, when John Gabor took over, I talked to him about it too. It was really just a timing thing. Um you know, I I I still W W E still is like the the number one show. Um and going back to WWE is still something that I'd love to do too. I mean, to me, true wrestling exists between the performers in the ring and the fans in the, in the crowd. And as far as like, which organization is better or worse, if, uh, if I can wrestle at a place that provides me the tools to entertain people in the way that I would like to entertain them, then I would, I would love to wrestle there because there's, I don't know all the, the politics of this fed is better than that fed. I don't care because when I'm in the ring, my match is going to be the best match. It doesn't matter about the Federation or the other people. If they can uh, film the match in a way, if the people can appreciate the match and there's an arena that can hold the people and they can get in and out, then um, sign me up for that place. WWE is great. CNA does great shows. Lucha Underground does great shows. I think what, uh, what separates those things is subtle differences. And in my opinion, it's fun to, travel around and work for the different organizations and learn different styles. And right now I, I think that Lucha Underground is the most interesting game in town since it's new, it's cutting edge, it's combining all those things that we talked about, the extreme acrobatics of Lucha Libre, the gritty action film aesthetic of Robert Rodriguez and and John Morrison, a.k.a. what are now known as Johnny Mundo. Um, American pro-wrestling storytelling and putting it all together in a in a show in a way that's never been done before. So I'm I'm in love with Lucha Underground right now, and I, I think it's going to really change perception on a, on what a wrestling show can be in the, uh, in the way that it's filmed and put together and the style of matches.
0: Not to mention a very flexible uh, work schedule.
4: That's true. That is uh, also true. Uh, it happens to be filmed in my hometown of Los Angeles, which doesn't suck. And on weekends, which also doesn't suck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no doubt. So, Lucha Underground debuts next Wednesday night, October 29th, 8 p.m. Eastern, on the El Ray Network. Telling you, man, we're looking forward to it.
4: Yeah, um, me too. I can't wait. So, uh, make sure to tune into the El Ray Network. Check your local cable provider for the, uh, the show listings. Follow me on Twitter at The Real Morrison, for more information about Johnny Mundo and Lucha Underground. Check out Out of Your Mind Fitness for the fitness needs. And uh, check out Boone the Bounty Hunter on IMDB for more information on when the United States and the rest of the world is going to get boomed.
0: That's Boone the Bounty Hunter, right?
4: Yeah, B-O-O-N-E, the Bounty Hunter. Perfect. Oh, uh, wow. This is Johnny Moondale, and you're listening to the Unplugged on the SNS Radio Network.
0: All right, Johnny, I want to thank you for stopping by, and good luck with Lucha Underground. I'd love to bring you back on at some point in the near future, and we'll talk some more.
4: Yeah, uh, anytime, brother. Thanks for having me.
0: All right, man. We'll talk to you later, Johnny.
4: Okay, take care. All
0: right, guys, there you have it. The The artist formerly known as John Morrison, Johnny Mundo, right here on Unplugged, talking about Lucha Underground. We're going to take our first commercial break. When we come back, Bronx, it's time to go ahead and run down what happened. On Monday Night Raw. You're listening to the SNS Radio Network. We'll be right back with more right after this.
4: What's up? This is Phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to Unplugged on the SNS Radio Network.
6: Hey guys, this is Ashley and this is Sandro and we're here to make sure that you check out the whole indie show each week on the SNS Radio Network as both of us along with our other co-host Randy cover everything that you need to know on all things indie wrestling.
4: It's your place for all the most recent indie news and event results, reviews of the latest shows from all the major promotions and previews for all the upcoming events. We also want your feedback on any indie stuff you may have seen as well.
6: Plus, you know, you never know, you might even get a few paperclip references now and then. So, for all that and much more, listen to the whole indie show every week here on the SNS Radio Network.
0: Hey guys, it's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. And I want to take a moment to let you guys know that personally, I appreciate the support that we've had here on the SNS Radio Network over the years. And I'm here to tell you about a new way that you can help us out and show your support for the SNS Radio Network. We now have a way for you to uh, donate to the SNS Radio Network. If you go to the SNSRadioNetwork.com main page, scroll down, there is now a donate button on the page. Now, I'm not saying you have to donate to us, but your donation is very appreciated as we do a lot of hard work on the SNS Radio Network, spend a lot of our time and our own money to make sure that you guys have uh, entertaining podcasts and live shows on the SNS Radio Network. So to those who have donated so far, on behalf of the SNS Radio Network, we appreciate you and your continued support. And for those that will donate in the future, again, we thank you for your support of the SNS Radio Network. www.snsradionetwork.com, providing you with free podcasts since 2010.
1: Gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Rage, rage
0: against the dying of the light. WWE 2K15, feel it. Ready T14. Available on the Xbox 360 and PS3 on October 28th. And on Xbox One and PS4 on November 18th.
1: This October El Rey Network presents a new vision of an age-old contest measured by courage decided by combat. roger under. Premieres October 29th on the new L Network.
2: And now back to the show, and two guys with delusions of grandeur, Tony J. Mirabella and Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson.
0: right here on the SNS Radio Network SNS Unplugged I'm Mr. Money on the mic Jeff Jackson he's Bronxilla Tony J Mirabella they're Led Zeppelin and that's Kashmir and we're back John's a cool motherfucker man he really is Now John's cool man I the first time I got to meet John again last year 2013 at the uh what was it Triple A Next Generation Wrestling and uh he was just a cool dude, man. I've this is the second time we've interviewed John and he's just a a very cool, laid-back kind of guy. So, maybe we'll bring him back on in the near future and talk some more about his acting projects cuz we could do that all day. Yeah, he's passionate about it and, you know, I had to get that
3: TNA question in and he was really, you know, professional about it. And people in chat are saying, "Oh, what if he would have went to TNA? Maybe he'd have been better off there than in the indies." Uh, no. At least he's, you know, the fact that he has phone service to call us in tells me he's getting paid better where he is now than in the fucking TNA.
0: Well, I noticed in the chat they were talking about TNA being an indie fed. Yes, it is. It's absolutely an indie fed. It's an indie fed with TV. It's not a major federation. I know everybody thinks that it's the number two organization behind WWE. It's not. It's it's the number two organization that you know about in the USA. But to say it's the number two organization in the world would be ridiculous. I think WWE is the number one wrestling organization, and then behind that would probably be New Japan Pro Wrestling. And then you have a lot of independent wrestling companies out there. But TNA is absolutely a glorified independent. Anybody that thinks differently is ill-informed.
3: Well, I mean, let's, it is what it is. I mean, let's say that, that you and I picked two random homeless people on the street and offered them $50 each to fight each other. And we manage to get it on oh, let's say A and D. Well, right there you're a step above, you're right in line with TNA. Think about what they'd be without the T V deal. That's um,
0: just the point that we're trying to make. Well, here's the thing. As of right now, they don't have a TV deal. They True. are they are in the process right now of getting out of their contract with Spike TV. They have till the end of the year supposedly they've got all these negotiations going on with all these different networks, but yet Spike TV, the place they've been for, what, five years, six years now, doesn't want to renew them? That sends up flags. Again, right now they are a company without a TV deal. If something changes in the next week or two, I keep hearing there's all these news rumors about, oh, Dixie's going to make an announcement soon. How many times have we heard Dixie's going to do this and Dixie's going to do that and Dixie don't do that? So if they do get a TV contract somewhere else good for them, but you know, they got to get paid a certain amount of money to, you know, put out their contracts and be able to pay their talent. And right now the rumors are swirling that a lot of guys that aren't under contract anymore, they aren't contacting them. Guys like Samoa Joe, whose contract expired at Bound for Glory. So he's not working for TNA right now. They're not doing any new TNA shows until January if they get a TV contract. Everything that they are airing on TV now has been taped in advance. So the guys and gals that work for TNA Wrestling have the rest of the year off until they get a new contract. If they get a new contract. It's a fucking indie. I'm sorry. It's the only way to look
3: at it. Well, see, I I found out what the announcement is going to be. And I was going to air this. on getting the zone. But because as far as I'm concerned, this is the flagship show on this network and i wanted to save this for you the announcement is that dixie carter will announce that meals on wheels will continue to pay for tna catering the same way they did for that buffet at the hall of fame that's the announcement the wrestlers are gonna eat
0: (laughs) all right that's great I thought I thought maybe Subway was going to cater them and they would at least have Subway sandwiches before their matches, but, you know. It is what it is. Look, I, I don't want to sit here and come out and just destroy TNA. We, you know, it's too easy not to. You know, I, again, if you're an independent wrestler, you get a job wherever you can, but make sure that if you work for a company that they pay you, and they don't pay you in food stamps, and that you don't have to have three other jobs just to make a living. It is what it's, it is. Did you see Bully Ray at the Hall of Fame dinner? <laughs> <laughs> now, speaking of Bully Ray, there are a lot of rumors swirling around that he and Devon might be making a final run in WWE pretty soon. Yeah. Which I think would be great, because when you look at the tag team division in WWE, I think it would be great for guys like the Usos to get a brush, you know, uh, to, get a, to get a rub off of the Dudley boys would be awesome. Uh, you know, you got Golden Stardust who could benefit from that. Anybody in that tag team division could benefit from having the Dudleys have one last run. You know, sort of what they did with the New Age Outlaws last year. I think that that would be fun, and it would add something new uh, to the company. So I hope that happens. Absolutely. And they're they a
3: big enough tag team. I mean, they've been around so long that that's the place to end your career. I, I think anyone who's been in the WWE and has enjoyed some success after it eventually needs to come back for one more run. You know, Sting is, is fixing to do it you know, everybody does it. So I, I have no problem with that. I, I like the Dudleys and I think they're one of the greatest, at least hardcore style tag teams of all time. So I'm looking forward to this if it happens.
0: You know, not to mention, you've also got guys like the Ascension who are going to be moving up to the main roster. There's a lot of rumors swirling around that maybe Bray Wyatt is going to manage the Ascension. They're going to be part of the new Wyatt family. Who knows at this point? Um I just I think it could be interesting. And, again, those are just rumors. I know that the Dudley boys were kind of uh, hinting around on it on, on Twitter. I know that right now they're doing something with New Japan, going after the Bullet Club. Uh, but it is what it is. We'll see where, where it goes. Uh, sorry, guys. Know this day in wrestling history this week, as I haven't heard back from Sean Beckerman or received a segment. So we're going to move on without Sean Beckerman tonight, and we're going to jump right into what happened last night on Monday Night Raw, the go-home edition to this Sunday's Hell in the Cell, which will be covered live right here on the SNS Radio Network via Sunday Night Showdown with myself, Bronxilla, and Mark the Shark DiCarlo. That being said, let's find out what happened on Monday Night Raw. Unplugged. You are now to the
3: okay guys our go home show to hell in a cell monday night raw starts off with a cell above the ring and triple h and the authority comes out and we're welcome to raw and triple h talks about the three-on-two handicap match tonight between rollins kane randy orton who will face john cena and dean ambrose and all the guys cut promos and triple h says that whoever wins the match between randy orton and john cena and helena cell will become the number one contender for the world heavyweight championship against brock lesnar Triple H says all of you will make me proud and the authority always wins sheamus and the usos versus the dust brothers and the miz and the miz allows miz dow to wrestle for him it's a good back and forth to start and the miz is on commentary one of the Usos finally gets the upper hand on Goldust, and there's a spot where everyone, including Sheamus, dives to the outside. But in the end, Miz Dow actually pins Sheamus, and Miz has taken the credit for it. And Miz Dow was like, no, I pinned him. So, heh, I wonder where this is leading to. Randy Orton promises he's going to make Triple H proud. And Triple H says, hey, Making this a number one contendership match was all Seth Rollins idea he's looking out for you man And Randy Orton says really well. I need to go. thank Seth We have another sick Bray Wyatt promo and in this one there's something about a scorpion Kind of cryptic hard to understand AJ Lee versus Alicia Fox with Paige at ringside Fox gets a two count with a bridge AJ makes a comeback as Alicia Fox gets distracted by Paige on the outside. Alicia gets thrown outside, but Paige rolls Alicia back in. And because AJ is amazed by all this, Alicia Fox gets a roll-up win on the Divas Champion. Randy Orton does find Seth Rollins, and he tells him to stay out of his business because I know something's up. Now Seth Rollins, interestingly enough, says if you beat John Cena and then by some miracle you beat Brock Lesnar for the title then the future will take care of itself. Randy Orton says indeed it will. Rollins is basically insinuating, in my opinion it would be easier to cash in on Randy Orton than it would on Brock Lesnar. Randy Orton comes out And says this Sunday He and Cena face off at Hell in a Cell But it's not the first time John and I have been in Hell in a Cell Time flies It was just 2002 When John Cena and I Debuted I was from Wrestling Royalty And Cena was just a punk And he makes fun of how the Kansas City Royals will never win Cena and I became The greatest of our generation And I do respect you John But at the end of the day, you're still that punk who has no business in the ring with me. Now, John Cena comes out and he puts over Randy Orton but tells him to shut up. And he says, you're acting old, man. It's not 2002 anymore. You've got no chance on Sunday. I want to fight the beast, says John Cena. So apparently he's forgotten about Seth Rollins. This Sunday, I'll see you and then I'll see Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman makes his return. And Paul cuts a promo and says all this is laughable. The class of 2002 featured Orton, Cena, and Brock Lesnar. He was the champion in 2002 and he's the champion now. This Sunday the two of you are going to enter this structure and you're both equals but my client has no equal. The winner of this match is the ultimate loser. And while I respect you, Randy, you don't want a part of my beast, and neither do you, John Cena. John Cena picks up Paul Heyman for an attitude adjustment, but then can't bring himself to do it. But Randy Orton has no problem at all hitting Heyman with an RKO. Rusev versus Big E Langston. Big E does get some offense in and this was an okay match but of course in the end rusev hits a nice spinning heel kick and gets the win with the accolade lana makes fun of the big show and she says prepare for us to show the real red white and blue big show is shown laughing on the titantron and the american flag is lowered instead with stars and stripes forever playing on the system Rusev goes to rip down the American flag And a quote-unquote soldier runs into the ring And gets stopped by security But despite that, he still gets kicked in the head By Rusev And security's trying to help him And then after the break, the big show is out And he's seething There are certain lines you don't cross You don't disrespect an American soldier And in Hell in the Cell Rusev's 15 minutes in the WWE are up In fact, he wants Rusev out here right now. And if you won't come to me, I'll come to you. And the big show's looking for Rusev in the back. Show kicks in his dressing room door, but neither he nor Lana are there. So a rather abrupt end to this segment. Dean Ambrose is in the back watching See No Evil 2. And John Cena comes in. And Ambrose says, you know, John, you're like Superman and I'm like Batman. And Cena's like, what the hell? We've got a match together tonight. And Ambrose says, relax. We'll take as many of them down as we can. Cena says, I like it. But you know what, Dean? You're more like the Joker than Batman. And Dean says, why so serious? Brie Bella versus Summer Rae. Brie gets the win. Dean Ambrose comes out with a huge bag. And in the bag is a dummy of Seth Rollins which he abuses he hits the dummy with a screwdriver a hammer and says I dreamt about cutting off your testicles but I remember you sold them to the Authority and he brings out some of the hot dog forceps he used a few weeks ago and attacks the dummies quote-unquote testicles and stabs it in the head kind of weird Seth Rollins comes out and talks about how He was from the Midwest, and I wanted to be more than all of you. I wanted to be more than Trailer Park Trash. Seth Rollins says, I don't sweat you, Dean, at Hell in a Cell, and I don't sweat anything you've got in the ring. During all this, Mick Foley makes his return, and Foley says, I'm here to meet an old friend, the Cage. My kids raved about the Shield, and my daughter was right. The Shield was dominant. But Foley said he always thought if Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins went at it, Rollins would win. Rollins thanks him, but he insults him too. Foley says, in almost any match, Seth, I think you would have the upper hand. But in a hell in a cell, I see something in Dean Ambrose that I haven't seen before. And Ambrose says, if anyone gets me, it's you, Mick. And I'm ready. And he asks Seth, are you ready Seth Rollins says, I'm going to beat you the way I've beaten people all along. Because my brain is way above both of yours. And Foley says, you know, everything was different for me after Hell in the Cell. And you're not ready. Foley says, you get the match you were waiting for your entire life. But can you handle it? Seth Rollins gets dumped to the outside by Dean Ambrose. Cesaro versus Ziggler in an excellent match. Back and forth. A nice drop kick to, to Cesaro. Cesaro turns the tides and gets a two count. An arm bar on Dolph Ziegler. Another drop kick by Dolph Ziggler. And Ziegler reverses a power bomb into a flace plant for a two. But Cesaro gets the win with the Shawuken uppercut and a neutralizer after the match just to put the icing on the cake. Because Seth Rollins and Randy Orton are arguing backstage, Triple H makes Kane the general out there tonight. He's going to be the guy in charge. Now, before the main event, we have a brilliant Hell in the Cell uh, video package. Absolutely great. And our main event is, of course, Dean Ambrose and John Cena versus Randy Orton, Seth Rollins, and Kane. Ambrose starts off on Rollins. Stomp to the midsection. Ambrose takes out everyone on the outside. And then Ambrose kills Seth Rollins with a steel chair. Goes for a table, but gets planted by Kane. And now Rollins is just ripping it. Dean Ambrose's face. Orton gets on Ambrose. Ambrose makes a comeback, and finally Dean Ambrose gets a tag. But Ambrose into the steps. Then later on, the cell gets lowered, and as it's getting lowered, Ambrose, who almost got locked out, unloads on everybody. Rollins bounces off the cell at the hands of Dean Ambrose. Ambrose grabs a kendo stick, goes nuts with a chair, and just a complete clusterfuck of moves by everyone But finally an RKO to Dean Ambrose and Randy Orton gets the pin and then gets curb stomped by Seth Rollins. And Rollins walks, climbs atop the cage, and celebrates on top of the cage, leaving everyone laying. And that is how we end our go-home show to Hell in a Cell. Decent Raw. Now, react to that.
0: Well, let me see my reaction. There's so many ways I could react, but uh, I, I really, believe it or not, actually enjoyed Raw last night. Uh, just, I know that might be a stretch for some people because a lot of social media... And a lot of radio show hosts were just talking about how the show was overkill, it was too much, and, you know, people didn't enjoy it. I personally thought it was one of the best go-home shows that they've done all year, because there have been some pretty bad ones, folks. Uh, But let's talk about that main event for a second. The three-on-two handicap match that ended up, in the end, taking place in a cell... uh, I love the spot where Dean Ambrose gets thrown into the ropes, and this is one of his signature spots. He gets thrown into the ropes, and he kind of does that flip and comes out and hits the clothesline. I knew that he was going to do that spot, and he was going to get hit with an RKO, and, of course, that's how the match ended with Randy Orton hitting a beautiful RKO on Dean Ambrose and getting the one, two, three. And I kind of like the setup here where there's that tension between Rollins and Orton, and, you know, you saw the curb stomp at the end. You you realized what his motivations were all along for suggesting that, you know, the match between he and John Cena should be for the number one contendership. It was all a setup so that Seth Rollins could, you know, eventually take out Randy Orton with his Money in the Bank briefcase. I, again, I thought that that main event was off the hook. I enjoyed it. Well, you're talking about the
3: psychology, and I mentioned it in the reaction. What Rollins was saying last night in a very condescending way, and what the authority is saying to Randy Orton by booking this match, is we think that, or Rollins thinks, he'd have a much better chance cashing in on Orton than he would on Brock.
0: Nobody wants wants Brock. Other, other than John Cena, nobody nobody wants to get in the ring with Brock. Other than John Cena, because he's got something to prove. Well, now hold on, John Cena hasn't given a fuck about Brock in the last three weeks. But but see that's that's the thing, and this <laughs> this this is one of the, my bones of contention. Uh, and this was talked about on the Facebook page. I think Rod called us out on this today because nobody had mentioned it. Well, I I like to reserve my comments for my radio show when I can talk it and not type it. Uh, we talked about how Ambrose and Rollins were going to main event the show. We're 50-50 right on that because it's a double main event. Now, the last match of the night, inevitably, is going to be John Cena and Randy Orton. My problem is this, and I understand why they did it, but you lessened the impact of last week's Raw when you had a match between Dean Ambrose and John Cena and the winner would go on to face Seth Rollins. Well, big whoop fucking do because the loser gets an opportunity to face Brock Lesnar uh, down the line and be the number one contender. Fuck. Had Dean Ambrose known that, do you think he would have got the win? Probably. But, I mean, it's, it's redundant. It's stupid. Why the fuck would you do that? Have the loser go after the number one contendership. I mean, I know they got to do something with Cena to keep him fresh in the mix. But, I mean, let's be real for a second. Between John Cena and Randy Orton, does anybody really want to see John Cena, Brock Lesnar again? Well, not only that,
3: what's the reward? I mean, a a main event match of, of Hell in a Cell caliber, yes, it settles grudges, but what's the reward? Okay, Dean Ambrose beats Seth Rollins to a bloody pulp. Then... You know, the winner of what they did was, once again, they made the match that John Cena was going to be in more fucking
0: relevant. Period. Finito. End of story. Because they have to because he's John fucking Cena. that That's the issue. You know, I was looking forward to seeing them actually push two guys to the main event who had never been there before. Uh, in Rollins and Ambrose, and now we're subjugated to them being on earlier in the in the night, and we finish it off with you know uh, Orton and, and John Cena. Here's the thing, though, I've already seen that match twice. I I, I mean, as far as well. We've seen Orton and Cena many times. I'm talking about if John Cena wins the match and becomes number one contender, then he goes on to face Brock Lesnar, whether it's at Survivor Series or it's at the Royal Rumble, because the rumors are that Brock is done for the rest of the year. He's going to come back for the December 8th Slammy Awards Raw, and that's it. His next match is going to be at the Royal Rumble. I don't subscribe to that bullshit. I think it would be incredibly stupid to wait till January to bring Brock Lesnar back. I think what you ought to do in all likelihood, is have Randy Orton beat John Cena and face Brock Lesnar at the Survivor Series. He doesn't win against Brock, but he has a match with Brock at Survivor Series. Then, maybe you find a way to put Cena in at the Royal Rumble where Brock decimates Cena once again. I just don't want to see John Cena and Brock Lesnar without seeing Brock versus Orton, because if the rumors are true and Brock's contract's up after WrestleMania and he goes back to the UFC, then that's a match we're not going to see. And I fully want to see Brock versus Orton before his tenure ends there. I think you'd agree with me.
3: If at this pay-per-view, some way, somehow, Orton goes over, I'll be the first guy next week saying, okay, it was the main event, but I'd be happy with that. I would be satisfied with that. If that match is the main event, it looks like it's going to be the real. Look, guys, the last match is the fucking main event. Don't give me the co-main event bullshit. The last match is has historically been, in pay-per-view history, the main event. And if Orton comes out on top and it sets up more strife between him and the Authority and him and Seth Rollins, which is a storyline that I'm actually enjoying, I'll be fine with it. I will shut up and I will fucking eat my words next week. But if Cena goes over, then again, to me, it's
0: a fucking waste. I'm going to tell you what I want to see happen on the Hell in a Cell on Sunday. It probably won't, but if it does, it'll shock a lot of people. I want to see Brock Lesnar, toward the end of that match, come down and beat the shit out of both guys. When they have beaten the crap out of each other, John Cena and Randy Orton have given everything that they got, Brock comes in, he tears the fucking cage door off, and he fucking F5s both of them and walks out. And that's how you end the pay-per-view. There's no winner in the cage. He fucking walks out and he celebrates the ramp with with Paul Heyman. That's what I want to see happen. Both guys are fucking unconscious. Neither one of them get a pinfall. The pay-per-view ends. Fade to black. That's hell in the cell right there. All right, I see
3: what you're doing. You're putting Brock back in the mix, being he's been out of it for so long. I get I get what you're saying. Yeah, that'd be I'd be fine with that. But I'd also be fine with Orton getting a decisive win if. Your scenario's fine. My scenario's fine. But the one scenario we don't want to see, which has me cringing, is fucking Cena going over and we got to see him against Brock again. That I
0: do not want to see that. But we'll, we'll see this Sunday. And I say that for Brock because what did we see happen? We saw a great promo between Randy Orton and John Cena, uh, which I had a bone of contention with. I mean, John Cena comes out and talks about this ain't 2002, you need to move on, says the guy wearing jorts. (laughs) Yes, John, this isn't 2002, maybe you should stop wearing the jorts. But he also made the comment that Randy Orton wasn't relevant since 2002. Really? Because I can remember a time when he beat your ass for the fucking title, like on several occasions, and was the number one guy in the company, but he hasn't been relevant since 2002. Uh, the best part of that whole thing was Paul Heyman's involvement and of course Randy Orton getting the RKO on both John Cena and Paul Heyman and that's why I think you might see Brock at hell in the cell because he put his hands on his advocate his manager his best friend Paul Heyman and that is a no-no and I think that you may end up seeing Brock Lesnar at hell in the cell and he might put a beat down on both guys. Well, on the, on the flip side of that, and I can't believe that I'm probably
3: going to be the guy here who's defending John Cena, but Orton's promo was pretty harsh too, where he basically said, you know, my father was, was Cowboy Bob, I'm third generation, you were just, I come from wrestling royalty, you're just some punk ass bum kid who came in and rhymed and did raps and got over So I I thought both of them got their digs in. I mean, what what Cena was trying to do was counteract the fact that in that promo, Orton completely fucking buried him. And may I say, before we move on, last night, I was never more proud of Randy Orton than I was. He cut a great fucking promo, man. I didn't think Orton had it in him. But I mean, goddamn, that boy let loose last night. That was a damn good promo probably one of orton's best
0: you know i again i'm kind of hoping they go with this anti-hero randy orton that'll be a lot like the stone cold character where he just goes around and rkos everybody he doesn't care about anybody he doesn't care about the fans he doesn't care about the authority he's going to do whatever he wants to do and however he wants to do it and i think that they need to do that he needs to have that attitude he needs to have that uh, that mindset that he's going to take whatever he wants and ain't nobody going to get in his fucking way And I think that it would make for a much better Randy Orton character. I'm sick of this. I'm the authorities puppet shit. Let's move on. Put him in a feud with fucking Rollins and have him beat Rollins. I mean, let's let's move on and do what we got to do with Randy Orton. Yeah, I think they kind of set up for
3: that last night. I mean, the bones of contention are definitely there. I mean, you think Randy Orton's the kind of guy who's going to get curb stomped and just forget about it? No fucking way. Rollins got some payback, too. And that's just going to cause more dissension in the authority, which I love.
0: I would even say you hold off on Rollins and and Orton till WrestleMania. That's the WrestleMania match, Orton and Rollins. I would say you try and find a way to hold off. And you have Orton go over uh, Rollins at WrestleMania. But you try to find a way to have them continually screw Randy Orton every week and keep him away from Seth Rollins.
3: Yeah, I mean, Seth Rollins is like the authority's golden boy now. You know, you, you can just tell. I mean, uh, Orton's character has been a lot of things. It's never been dumb. He's never been a stupid character. He knows what's going on. You think he doesn't see that Triple H and Steph and Kane are, are right behind Seth Rollins? He knows what's what's up. And Orton is the kind of devious character that can capitalize on that and cut a promo and say, you know what, man? I knew all along it was all about Seth. You know, Triple H, you don't give a shit about me. You know, Steph, you don't give a shit about me. This is your golden boy. Well, I'm about to do
0: some gold mining. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, weak spot of the show last night was the Divas. <laughs> you know, what's different from any other week? <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm just, this whole page and AJ feud, uh, c- can we end it quick? I mean, can, can it be over soon? I can't wait for the day when we don't have to see those two wrestle again. It's just, it's fallen off the rails. And I think that AJ has has regressed in the ring. Her performance last night was atrocious. Yeah,
3: absolutely. I mean, just, you know, and
0: I don't know. Her pa- paired with Layla, I, eh, okay. And I like Layla, but I just felt like that match last night was, it wasn't it Alicia Fox? Alicia Fox, I'm
3: sorry, my bad. It just goes to show how important the Divas are to me.
0: Yeah, well, we'll be talking about the Divas division a little a uh, little more thoroughly in the news section this week because, wow, what I heard last night made me cringe. Uh, let's see. I thought that Dolph and Cesaro was off the hook. So much so that we're going to see a rematch, and it's going to be for the Intercontinental title on SmackDown this week, which means I'm going to be watching SmackDown this week. Yeah, well, uh, it's, finally they're
3: going to have something good on SmackDown because SmackDown been killing me the last few weeks.
0: But uh, the finish between Cesaro and Dolph was just a, an uppercut, you know, and he gets the upper hand and beats Dolph Ziggler in a non-title match. I thought it was a great match, and then he, he obviously hit the neutralizer after the fact, but uh, I think that Dolph and, and Cesaro put on good matches. I mean, it, it, really, Dolph puts on good matches with just about anybody. So, you know, to say that is is hilarious, uh, but they have good chemistry and I, I can't wait to see what they bring to the table. And if if the title does change hands on SmackDown, then maybe they'll have a rematch at uh, Hell in a Cell. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, I have no
3: problem seeing that match anytime they put it on. I mean, you know, it, it was funny how, how John mentioned uh, Dolph Ziggler before. And unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to ask him, you know, what do you think of his position in the company? Because. Dolph Ziggler kind of reminds me of that John Morrison, you know, that young guy who everyone marks out to see in the ring, you know, and it's just the styles are are very similar.
0: Uh, Similar, yes. I mean, Dolph's not a high flyer like John Morrison. Uh, You know, Morrison does use a lot of the parkour stuff and does a lot of the the top rope maneuvers, and Dolph is more ground-based. That doesn't mean that he doesn't take the flying when he needs to. I mean, there's some differences in their style, and I see the similarities, but they're both both—they're uh, both obviously big-time crowd favorites. Well, Dolph is the kind of guy where I tell him,
3: I'm going to hit you with this feather, and I want you to pretend that I hit you with a freaking cinder block, and you hit Dolph with the feather, and he sells where you think he's dead. That's always been my thing with Dolph. Yes, his offense is top-notch, is perfect, is is beautiful, but... His selling of any move from a freaking powerbomb
0: to a finger poke of doom is unbelievable. Now, Dolph reminds me a lot of Shawn Michaels back in the day. Shawn Michaels was a great, uh, great at selling. And I think Dolph Ziggler is just at that same level of Shawn Michaels, one of the best in the business when it comes to selling stuff.
3: Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I mean, definitely he's a bumping machine. But, you know, again, that doesn't make a wrestler – When he has to go offense, his reversals, some of the shit he does is just amazing. He's an all-around, just one of those solid freaking wrestlers, man. I just, I don't get why he's not higher on the totem pole. I hope he makes it there one day, man, because he
0: deserves it. I agree. Uh, Let me see. What else happened of, of note last night? Nick Foley, man. I marked out like a little bitch. That was a pretty big moment to have Mick come out there. I I, I got to admit though, before Mick came out and you had Ambrose with the with the Seth Rollins dummy, it was floundering a little bit. I thought it was a bit much to have him like hammering on the fucking thing, threatening to, you know, cut it apart with a saw. I thought, okay, we're, we're crossing some boundaries here. I don't know that I would go this route. Um then of course Seth Rollins comes out and they have a back and forth and then we get the surprise Even Mick Foley's daughter, Noelle, didn't know he was was going to be on the show last night. So Mick Foley shows up, cuts a very uh, passionate, empowered promo about what it's like to be in a Hell in a Cell. And it really, in my opinion, saved that segment and made me hype for Hell in a Cell on Sunday.
3: See, I mean, I was cool with some of the mannequin thing, but it's like, look, man, WWE needs to make up their mind. I mean, it's like, Daddy is... Dean Ambrose really going to stick a screwdriver in Seth Rollins' head this Sunday? No. When when he pulled that out, I thought it was a fucking
0: knife. I was like, uh, what the fuck? I thought New Jack was in the fucking ring. But even still, you know, my daughter was sitting here next to me watching it, and she goes, why does he have that, and why is he doing that, Daddy? And I thought to myself, if I'm having to tell my kids that you can't go around stabbing fucking people with a screwdriver, there's a problem here. Um. It was it was a bit much. I mean, but he is a very disturbed character on TV. He's just a very uh, lunatic fringe-esque character that would, you know, he's like the Joker in a lot of senses, you know, that he would uh, do the magic trick with a screwdriver instead of a pencil. Uh, but the bottom line is I felt like they went a little too far in that segment. I am not
3: going to come on here tonight and start, you know, raving about bringing back the Attitude Era. But can you fucking imagine Dean Ambrose in the Attitude Era?
0: It'd be some crazy shit, dude. Holy shit. It would probably rival Katie v But but he's not a fan of the Attitude Era. Yeah. You know, I love that,
3: man. I, 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 I think deep down that's Dean fucking with everyone. I think he likes to fuck with the IWC. I mean, if you look at his Twitter account, one of the only tweets I see on there is they forced me to get a Twitter account, so I got one. See ya. I think maybe he enjoys that controversy. I think I love Dean Ambrose to death, but I think he's full of shit. Because if that shit last night wasn't borderline attitude era, I mean, come on, bro.
0: I agree. I agree. But, uh, you know, and I, I kind of agree with some of the sentiments he had about the attitude era. There was a lot of stupid ass gimmicks and there wasn't a lot of great wrestling matches. There were some, but a lot of them were the tables, ladders and chairs, matches and stuff you know until you got to rock austin you didn't really have a lot of great matches so i mean i agree with what he's talking about as far as the wrestling goes and a lot of the gimmicks were pretty stupid but you can't you can't not look at the attitude era and say it was the most successful era in wwe's history without the attitude era they wouldn't have survived and that's that's fucking honestly that's that's the honest to god's truth they were in the they were in the fucking red they were dead before the attitude era Nitro had killed them. They were on the verge of going out of business until they they brought in the Attitude Era and let people be edgy and went with the more adult-oriented content. So it has its place, it has its uses, and it will be, by many wrestling fans, considered the golden age the best age of wrestling. That's just the way it's going to be. See, it depends how you watch wrestling. I mean, I, I,
3: of course you know, enjoy a good match, but I also like the soap opera part of it. Now, to, to agree with what you're saying, yes, the matches weren't as good, but the soap opera end of it, the storyline end of it, in my opinion, was 50 million times better in the Attitude Era than it is now. Yes, did they do some stupid shit like Katie Vick and things that went too far? Absolutely. And I'll, I'll agree with that any day. But You didn't mind seeing DX cut a 15-minute promo. You didn't mind seeing Austin talk about how he was going to kill someone for 10 minutes because they were good, solid promos that kept you entertained. Now, PG is better for wrestling, but not as good for promo work and just storyline. That's just the way I look at it. So, you know, I mean, it is what it is. Again, it depends how you watch wrestling, you know, if you're in-ring technical guy yeah this era might be better for you if you're a you know male soap opera
0: type of guy then you go back to the attitude era yeah uh one other thing i want to talk about real quick before you in this segment uh the rusev Seven big show segment oh boy here we go i i thought it started off good i thought the big show uh you know taking the flag and then having the usa flag draped down and uh, Russo, Rusev and Rusev and Lana getting upset about that was great. Here's where it went off the rails. Obviously, they had a planted uh, local wrestler dressed up as a military personnel, tried to get in the ring, was being held from getting in. When he did get in, he gets kicked in the face by Rusev. Okay, here's my problem. We've seen enough of the jabroni fucking idiot fans that have had too much to drink or just too goddamn inbred to know any better jump the rail, and get in the ring with wrestlers. And this was supposedly, quote-unquote, an American soldier that uh, wanted to get his hands on Rusev, and Rusev kicked him. Uh, Again, this sends the wrong message, and I thought WWE was wrong for doing this. They, They could have gone about this a different way, but to have this guy supposedly in the crowd, then get in the ring, and then get kicked by Rusev was bullshit. And then you got Big Show coming out, and he cuts this scathing promo about how dare you fucking put your hands on a U.S. military soldier. Again, the motherfucker got in the ring, he's fair game. I just thought it was like, oh, how fucking dare you touch an American soldier because he got in the ring it was going to beat your ass. To me, that whole segment fell apart after that. Is Rusev a great heel? Absolutely, because he's a foreigner, and that's one of the oldest and cheapest ways to get heat in professional wrestling is the anti-American foreigner that comes in the ring or that is feuding with the American Patriot. It, it, really, it's been since the dawn of time. That's one of the oldest gimmicks in professional wrestling. But I thought they went too far with it because, again, you're justifying that somebody can jump the rail, get in the ring, and Big Show is taken up for him for doing so. I, I thought it sent the wrong fucking message, and it was very hypocritical by WWE. See, now I have to completely disagree. First of all, I want
3: to, before I start this, I want to say I get exactly where you're coming from. From a legality and hypocritical standpoint, I get where you're coming from. But here's why I'm going to give this one a pass. Because, A, you're talking about a guy who is selling that he's ready to desecrate our flag. You're talking about someone who, quote unquote, was in the is in the military the flag means everything why i think i can let it go is because when this guy got in the ring now if he had ran at rusev and rusev would have kicked him in the face i would have been on the completely same page with you but security had him restrained security had a hold of him he couldn't get to rusev he was defenseless to attack Rusev, and while he was in the grasp of the security person, that's when Rusev kicked him in the head. For that, I'll allow it. I think it just
0: so. It so just, hold it, on, hold, let me get this straight. You will allow it because the security was holding the guy, and it doesn't make it doesn't make a difference that because it's an American soldier supposedly. It's just some random guy coming from out of the audience. Now, granted, we all know that it was a WWE plant. This was all planned. Had they maybe had the big show come out, maybe had a a guy that was his friend that was in the military, maybe this would have worked better. But to, to genuinely say that a fucking American soldier that was sitting in the crowd jumped over the barricade, made his way into the ring because he didn't like Rusev, was being held by security, and then kicked in the face by Rusev is acceptable. Is not. It sends the wrong fucking message that it's okay for you to jump the barricade and jump in the ring. That is the message WWE is sending to people. You You misunderstand me.
3: You know what I think the problem is? You're, and you're right, you're looking at it from the point of that wrestling fan that doesn't get it. And and unfortunately, it comprises a, a lot of wrestling fans out there, which in this day and age still shocks me every one of us in this chat room last night to watched that we know it's a plant we know it's a setup we know what it is i get where you're coming from if you're a fan who is so stupid as to think that what happened last night wasn't a complete work
0: you need to turn off wrestling and you need to turn it off right now but bronx there's people out there that fucking think that shit and it doesn't matter. My point is it fucking justifies people wanting to do that. I've seen people in the past jump the barricade, get in the ring, get held down by security, and Eddie Guerrero's kicking their fucking head off. It makes no difference. It doesn't matter if it was a guy dressed up to be an you know, American soldier. doesn't matter that he kicked an American in the face. It doesn't fucking matter. It still sends the wrong message.
3: Yeah, but if you're threatening me, let, let's say you're threatening me. And four security guards tackle you to the ground. It's then okay for me to come and kick you in the head.
0: Hey, you jumped into my fucking ring. I can do whatever the fuck I want to you. Oh,
3: man, you're hardcore.
0: I- fuck Eddie Guerrero used to do that shit, man. He fucking kicked the shit out of that fucking guy that fucking <laughs> interfered in the, the ladder match between him and RVD back in 2002. Fucking security had him, and he's fucking kicking that some bitch in the fucking head. When you do that, you run the risk. Uh, you know, it's like going to the zoo. You don't get in a fucking cage with the lion you don't jump into the tiger's habitat because you're going to get mauled yes i know it was a plant yes i know it was wwe planned i'm saying they executed it poorly and it gave the wrong fucking message to people
3: yeah i mean like i said i understand where you're coming from but i just uh, again man i'm the person who can't wrap my head around the fact that there are still people out there who watch this and would think, would think, well, because that guy got in that bar ring, it's okay for me to do it next week. It just, the fact that there are still people like that out there. and, And you know what? If you're one of those people and you're listening to this show, I'm shattering your dreams right now. No, it's a work. If, if the guy got in the ring and wasn't crippled before he got under the ropes, it's a work maybe that's where you and I are kind of not on the same page as this, because I still can't fathom that there are wrestling fans out there like that.
0: But like you said, there are, and, and you know, here's the thing too. Like my other problem with this is big show gets on the microphone. How dare you kick an American soldier? Uh, what? Seriously? He fucking got in the ring, bro. Like it just, it just, it's laughable. It's all about murka. murka they took our
3: jobs, Merka. Yeah, what you're saying is the big show was, was kind of insinuating, well, if a guy in camouflage got in the ring and was brandishing a butcher knife and came at me, I wouldn't do shit about it because he's a soldier. I, like I said, I get you, bro. I understand you completely. But, I mean, yeah, there were other ways they could have went about it. But I think that, like, as far as putting, you know, Rusev over as a complete heel,
0: it worked. And, and, and Pitbull in the chat makes the exact same comment. But again, Bronx, the fact that it could give just one idiot a wet dream thinking about doing it, that's the wrong idea. Keep in mind, Big Show praised the guy too, which makes for an even bigger reason for a fanatic to get the wrong idea. He's absolutely fucking right because Big Show was praising him, and Big Show went over to check on him. Oh, he's an American soldier. Again, it doesn't matter if you're an American soldier, a fucking doctor, a nurse, a hooker, Uh, a a fucking candy uh, fucking vendor, or goddamn ice cream truck. It doesn't fucking matter if you're selling ice cream to the kids in the third row and you decide to jump in the ring and beat up Rusev. You get in the ring, you're going to get your head kicked off, and you deserve it. It doesn't mean Big Show should cut a promo about how dare you fucking touch the ice cream vendor. Well, he jumped in the fucking ring. It sends the wrong message, and that's the bottom line because I just said so.
3: And then did you you saw the way Michael Cole put a Band-Aid over the Grand Canyon by mentioning briefly, well, you know, if, if you do get in the ring, I mean, you're uh, you know, your you're fair game. By the way, what about Ambrose and Rollins tonight? What do you think of that? I mean, it was very brief. I mean, it, it tells me that maybe Vince on the headset or someone said, you know what, cover our asses really quick because they can always use that audio. Someone does jump in the ring next week they can play that audio and say, well, we told you not to. It's it. it, I get what you're saying. It was awkward and it could have been done another way. Like you said, maybe they could have introduced him as a guest and then had Rusev kick his head off. I, I still don't have a problem with it, but I do understand where you and, and a lot of the listeners are coming from. I understand you guys point of view. I just, again, I'm in denial that there are still fans out there that believe that shit. I just, It's just me. So once
0: again, folks, Bronx is going to give him a pass. Yeah, I guess so, man. Sorry. (laughs) All right. Well, what was your letter grade for last night's show? Uh, I would give it a
3: straight up A. I thought it was probably the best go-home show of 2014, without a doubt. The best go-home show. Excellent. They did a good job of making you give a shit about this pay-per-view. Did an excellent job of setting it up. There was a lot of talking. It was pretty talk heavy, but that's okay for a go home show. I'll always give that a pass. And they they you know set up the storylines going into this Sunday brilliantly. Uh, I, I thought it was an excellent show. Straight up A. I'm
0: gonna go B plus. I thought it was a good show. I thought it was the best go home show they've had in a long long time. Uh, you know, here in the the recent uh, the recent past, we've seen. The week before the go-home show was the better show than the go-home show, so this week they, they did it right, and, and I'll give them a B plus. I'm looking forward to covering Hell in a Cell. I'm not so much looking to John Cena and Randy Orton being the main event. That kind of bums me out a little bit, but it is what it is. Until John Cena retires, he's going to main event the show. It's just, just the way it is, man. Uh, until they find that next red-hot guy to take his spot, he's the guy, and he's going to main event the show whether he's the champion or not. So B-plus for me.
3: Let me ask you this real quick. Do you think that last night's show had a lot to do with because I've been hearing this on the internet a lot, and I've felt this way too, that now that the pay-per-views are only, hold on, nine ninety-nine, that they like kinda have not given a fuck. And it was almost like last night they said, you know what? No, we still do care. We still do care about these, well, main events now. So I think that's what they were trying to do last night. Maybe they were trying to say, we do care. Don't think just because you're only paying $10 now we're going to leave you with a shitty product. I think that was the message they were trying to
0: convey. But not everybody's paying $10. There are people that don't have the network that are still getting it on pay-per-view for 54 or that are doing a month to month subscription for 12.99. So it's not technically everybody paying 9.99 for this thing. It even though for us it's a special event since we have the network, it's still pay-per-view for everybody else. Listen
3: man, there are ways to get the network anywhere on planet Earth that has an internet connection, even if the network ain't officially there yet. I I'm sorry. On Un- I can't feel pity for people like that. If you're not financially able to get the network and you're watching it on an illegal stream, then you're in a class all of yourself. I'm not even going to comment on it. I'm not going to say anything negative about it. But if you can afford an internet connection anywhere on planet Earth and you don't have the network and you're still paying 60 bucks, well, you're like that wrestling fan that believed that that soldier really ran in last night. Sorry. No,
0: it's not that it's there's a lot of people that don't care for the content on the network because it's all old stuff and they're not into the current product. And so if there's something that moves them, maybe they want to see a Brock Lesnar versus John Cena match or something and they want to pay 50 bucks for it. They will. It's not that a lot of people just don't want to fucking pay nine ninety nine dollars a month for the pay-per-views. A lot of people just aren't interested in the content. That's that's pretty much the way it is.
3: Yeah, but then still get the twelve
0: ninety nine shit. Watch the pay-per-view and cancel next week. Yeah, but, but you can but Bronx, you can do that because you're still not paying 9.99 a month. They might not get another pay-per-view until WrestleMania. That's the point. That's that's what you're not seeing here. It's not that you're an idiot if you don't buy the network uh and and you don't watch every week or you don't watch every month. That's why they do it that way. Yeah, but if you pay 12.99, you can cancel
3: whenever you want, right? You're not under an obligation. Well, you still pay for the month. Right but it's still 12.99 as opposed to 50 something even if all you want to see is the pay-per-view. Yes. Get what I'm saying? So I agree. I, as far as anyone who's still paying 50 something bucks for it, that's just wow. I mean, I, I'm like, wow. Well, and and the crazy thing is on the last pay-per-view, they even made fun of it themselves, which I thought was not best for business. When Michael Cole said, well, if you're paying 50 something dollars for this, well, uh, sorry about your luck. You could be paying $9.99 or $12.99. I mean, they even put it over as like, you know, I, it's just, oh, man, the whole pay-per-view industry has changed so much. I just, I guess because we're all hardcore wrestling fans here and we have no problem paying the nine ninety nine. that, you know, we don't see other people's or at least I don't see other people's point of view. I'm still paying 54 60 bucks. dollars
6: nope,
0: I hear you. Anyway, that's going to do it for the Raw reaction. Hope you guys enjoyed that. We're going to take our next commercial break. When we come back. Anthony Farley is going to join us, and we're going to talk a little bit about what happened last week on NXT. Then we're going to have news of the week sponsored by wrestling online.com. We're going to make time at the end of the night to cover all the emails that we have not gotten to, and there are a few that we need to get to. With that being said, you're listening to SNS Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. We'll be right back with more right after this. Can you
1: dig it, sucker? Sucker! Hi, this is Booker T, the five-time WCW champion, as you're listening to SNS Radio Network. Can you dig it,
0: Hey guys, it's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson Are you looking for the latest wrestling news? Well then you should check out www.wrestling-online.com Sign up for the newsletter, it's been around for 16 years and It's one of the longest running newsletters on the internet today it Comes right to your inbox 3-4 to four times a week Depending on how busy the news week is Want that access on your phone? They also have mobile apps for your iOS, Apple, and BlackBerry, the archives of all the Unplug shows, as well as columns. You can also follow WrestlingOnline.com on Twitter, at WrestlingOnline, or check them out on Facebook, wrestlingonline. It's that simple. Wrestling-online.com is the official news source of the SNS Radio Network. And perhaps you should make it your official news source as well. Once again, that's www.wrestling-online.com.
6: Hey guys and girls, this is Ashley Richardson, and you can join me here on the SNS Radio Network every week for SNS Sticks and Flicks, where we cover video gaming news, whether it be handhelds, mobiles, last generation PC, or the next gen of the Wii U, Xbox One, and PlayStation 4. Did somebody say 4? No, I didn't mean you 4. Anyway, there's also movie and entertainment news, as well as perhaps the occasional review and I'll give you the lowdown on whether it's the right movie or show for you. Did somebody say four? Look, I didn't mean you four. Just go away, okay? There's also a possibility of other stuff being on the show. It could be sport, it could be politics, it could be news, it could be what I had for lunch. I don't know, but it'll be all for you. Nothing? Seriously, nothing? Anyway, all that on SNS Sticks and Flicks, here on the SNS Radio Network, and all for free. Did somebody say free? I'm Ah, done. I'm done. What? Was it something I said?
3: everybody. This is the Bronx Father to tell you about the Get in the Zone podcast every weekend right here on the SNS Radio Network with myself, my co-host, Anthony Farley, and bringing you the TNA recap.
4: No, God, please. No, no.
3: L train. We also cover Smackdown, some news, and you might even get moments like this. Oh
1: my brother, testify!
3: Wow. Oh Lord. Oh my god. <laughs> wow, that that was that wasn't half bad. <laughs> what the f-
6: <laughs> To quote, See, since I'm imitating Since I'm imitating Devon tonight, I might as well run the gamut of black wrestlers and go with Booker T. Tell me I did not just hear
3: that. It's one of those things to edit. (laughs) (laughs) To edit or not to edit. That is
2: the question. For the reaction to giving you cannot edit this one. (laughs) Oh,
3: shit. Anthony's dead. He's just done. Oh, we might as well just end the show right now. So, Check out the archive every single weekend and drop us an email anytime. SNS get in the zone at gmail.com right here on the SNS radio network. The-
2: Welcome back to Unplugged with Bronx Zilla, Tony J. Marabella, and Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson, on the SNS Radio Network.
0: Welcome back to Unplugged right here on the SNS Radio Network. I am, of course, Mr. Money on the mic, Jeff Jackson. He is Bronxzilla, Tony J. Mirabella, and we're being joined by the one, the only, the man who I snatched the rubber tortilla out of his hands, Anthony fucking Farley.
5: Hey there, JJ, and too bad I had that tortilla for a few moments, only for it to be taken away. That's right. You must snatch the pebble from my hand, Grasshopper. But you
0: can't do it, because before you do, I'm going to slap you down.
5: Anyway, what's going on with you this week, man? Uh, Pretty good. Fortunately, nothing really epic has happened this week for me, except I had to go get a new camera, because sadly I dropped mine and the button for the picture broke. Ouch. Yeah, yeah, get a repair. I only have to pay the same amount I did for a camera. Screw that. Yeah, no doubt.
0: Well, I'm assuming you've heard that song before, Bronx. Bronx. Absolutely.
3: I still have the, I have that song in my head. I love that song. Oh, yeah? Who sings it? That I don't know, but I do know the song. Just fucking tell me the truth. You,
0: you don't know who the fuck it is. No, oh, I do know the song. I don't remember who sings it. Bob- I honestly... It's fucking Bobby Brown. Back when Bobby Brown was relevant. That's like oh. back... That's some 1989 shit right there, man. Fucking Bobby Brown. The only song I remember
3: he did was Hit Me Baby One More Time. Uh, No. He didn't actually. <laughs> oh,
0: God. I said Bobby Brown, not Britney Spears, bitch. You seriously don't fucking know Bobby Brown. I know Bobby Brown is. Well name me a goddamn song he sings, other than the one you just heard. Uh leave me alone, huh? I'm just No, that's Michael Jackson. <laughs> but don't you just leave me alone That's Michael Jackson. Get out of my dreams, man. I'm just That's fucking Billy Ocean, bitch.
3: <laughs> man. Did you I don't re- care anymore, man. This is my life. God damn it. It's October. Did you ever fucking see the Ghostbusters 2? Of course. Now, no. Don't even start that shit. <laughs> Ghostbusters well, was my shit. I seen one and two. Don't even think about it. Well, he sang a song in Ghostbusters 2.
0: It was the fucking theme of the goddamn
3: movie. Oh, uh, hold on. Well, I guess
0: we're gonna have to take control. Uh-huh. We got, we got, we got. Yeah, it's on. It's on our own by Bobby Brown. Fucking, I think we even played that shit like a week or two ago. And he had "Don't Be Cruel" and he had "My Prerogative." Motherfucker says, "Hit me one more time."
5: <laughs> yeah, Jeez is gonna hit you one more time, Bronx.
0: Damn it! <laughs> I took the tortilla from him. You get a goddamn dunce cap tonight. Fuck. He, the he, fucking Bronx he, cap from now on. That's what, It's not the Dunce cap anymore. It's the Bronx cap. No, you're not going to name a
3: cap of humiliation the after me. No, fuck,
0: we're <laughs> not.
3: <laughs> fuck you. You are not <laughs> going to name a cap after me.
0: If I had a gun right now, I'd bust a cap. <laughs> fuck. You'd never shoot. Oh, the hell he wouldn't.
3: Oh, if there were some zombies involved, yeah, maybe. Fuck it.
0: Save this segment, Farley. Tell me what happened on NXT. Fuck. Oh, okay, yeah, he's going to save the fuck segment. Yeah, sure. I'm That's reaching, gonna- I know,
5: but I got to figure something out to fucking fix this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The first match on the pr- latest episode of NXT was Baron Corbin versus Elias Samson. This match was, like, done within a minute as Corbin hit his finisher and his days to get the quick win. So they're establishing him more as a get in, beat up the guy, leave. Uh, We then have Sami Zayn coming in and saying, heck, I lost last week to Titus O'Neil, but I'm getting sick of coming in here and losing matches to people I think I'm better than. He says, I'm going to now refocus to get back to get the title shot for the NXT belt. This brings out Tyson Kidd, who says, heck, you're not worthy of being the NXT champion. Every opportunity you had, you have dropped the ball. And Zayn just says, heck, Tyson, did you come in here after getting permission from Nat- Natalia and all that? Tyson just brushes off So, heck, man, no matter what opportunity you have gotten, you have dropped it. You do not even deserve to be in this NXT and all that. Zane sucks, heck, I deserve to be in here, and I'm better than you, and I'll prove it tonight in a match against you. Uh, I, you know
0: what? I actually like this back and forth between Tyson, Kidd, and Sami Zayn. The only problem is... Tyson Kidd's calling Sammy Zayn out for being a loser. And, uh, well, Tyson Kidd's track record ain't that great. Every time yeah. he's in a title match, he gets pinned. So, uh, Kettle, Pot, Black, anybody?
5: So, now we understand why they've been doing the whole ty- uh Zane's been losing more matches. They all set up this whole, you drop the ball, you- now this is like a redemption. The lead to getting the belt. So now we have a non-title match. It's the Lucha Dragons versus Wesley Blake and Buddy Murphy, who apparently will be going under, ne- under the name Team Fit. Murphy actually blocks a tornado DDT from Carr to hit a vertical suplex, but in the end, the champions win after Carr hits a like a top rope vert- uh, victory roll, but it's called a sunset bomb on to Blake to win the match. Uh, We get a replay of um, uh, the beatdown that Tyler Breeze gave to Mojo Riley from last week, which I believe you'll enjoy, JJ. We see him then later on. Mojo's in a uh, sling, and he says like this, My shoulder's banged up. I'm going to be out for a while, but I'll come back stronger and better than ever. I won't forget who's responsible, and I will come back with a vengeance, and will stay Hyped. So it looks like we're going to have Mojo for a while, which I think you're going to be heartbroken, aren't you, JJ?
0: Well, you know what? I'm actually, um, I'm actually hoping that they give him a new character and uh, he doesn't come back as uh, Mojo Raleigh. Actually, I hope he retires tomorrow because I just don't fucking like the guy. <laughs> Let me be real honest. Maybe TNA could fucking make him their world champion for all I care. Then I'll never watch that fucking show. I just I cannot stand Mojo Raleigh. Like, not at all. Like, period. Like, if you put me in a room with him, he'd be dead in five minutes kind of hate. I just don't like the guy. Damn. Damn.
3: <laughs> I could see TNA if they could use the name. We got our Mojo
0: Riley. No, it'd be, it'd be like Rojo Molly. Uh, yeah, bro. Rojo Molly, yeah. <laughs> Mike, Mike Tanae, who? I know that guy. I just go on the phone with Joey Numbers. That's, that's Rojo Raleigh. Rojo
6: Molly.
5: Oh boy! (laughs) But like I said, I agree with you. Mojo had there was potential in the beginning, but they haven't developed them. There was never potential. There was no. I mean, when he started, bro, there
0: was never potential. He comes out running around like a fucking crackhead, like he just got through fucking sniffing some Blue Sky from Walter White, and fucking (laughs) he just smoked a whole goddamn bag of fucking Blue Sky, and he fucking runs around the ring like a goddamn crackhead. You know, I'm hype. I'm hype. I stay hype. I stay hype. Ooh, watch me do the fucking earthquake drop on this motherfucker. I'm only 260 pounds, but you'd think I weigh 500 pounds. I fucking hate Mojo Rawley. When the, f- how the fuck did um, Samuel L. get involved in this? I-, I, was, I was channeling my Dave Chappelle, Samuel L. Jackson. Okay. Does Mojo uh, Rawley look like a bitch? Then why do you treat him like one? Mm, bitch!
3: I smoked, through, I smoked two pipefuls before I hit the ring. Mm-hmm. How's my ass taste, motherfucker? <laughs> oh, God. That's a good-ass crack. I bought it from New Jack back in ECW. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anthony, if you can, continue.
5: <laughs> we have another non-title match. It's um, the NXT Women's Champion Charlotte versus Becky Lynch a.k.a. Becky Lita. Becky was able to come in, but after hitting a couple moves, she ends up getting hit with a um, kneeling neckbreaker and gets pinned out to the natural selection. Um, We then get a recap of the issues between Hideo Itami, the Ascension. hold, hold,
0: hold, 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 Hold up. Back the train up. Okay. Sasha Banks was actually pretty good this week.
5: Yeah, with that promo that she had afterwards with Becky Lynch.
0: I still think that Charlotte is the best the best female wrestler they have on the roster right now in NXT. I think she's the best hands down. Sasha Banks is getting better, but she ain't on the level
5: of Charlotte. Yeah. As I said last week, if you saw how Charlotte originally started in NXT and compared to now, you're like, that's the same girl. She has improved greatly. And I think Becky Lynch is doing pretty good as as well. It's Becky Lita. Becky Lita. I'm glad I got rid of her doing the whole Irish thing and all that.
0: I know, but she comes down to the ring and she's doing the whole fucking Lita. Like, she just reminds me of Lita. Only, you know, maybe a little more talented than Lita. Uh,
5: Like I said, there's potential for both of these girls, and I'd say having Sasha Banks also in there is going to help get the the NXT women's division still good right there. And we get, we, like I said, we get a recap of the issues between Hideo Itami and the Ascension, including to what their attack on Funaki. The Ascension said, hey, Funak, uh, Itami, you don't deserve to be here, so just leave. So they're continuing subtly that little feud between the Ascension and Itami.
0: Well, you know what bothers well, me? It, again, we talked about this last week. The fact that Itami's mentor is fucking Funaki.
5: Like, really? Yeah. Of all
0: people, you're going to bring Funaki out as your backup, as your
5: mentor. But, uh, like I said, he's a new guy here, so he has no really good friends in the company. So, heck, Funaki somewhat helped bring him in. So, I was like, heck, I'll be there for you, man.
0: Yeah. Where do we watch two weeks from uh, from now? On November 8th.
5: Oh, definitely, man.
0: The debut of Finn Balor. <laughs> in other words, Prince Devitt's coming, bitches. <laughs> yeah. Deed. Can We'd- we just... Back to that with Funaki, indeed. That was the best gimmick Funaki ever had. I am Funaki, SmackDown, number one announcer. Indeed. <laughs> that was it.
3: That was the best, right there. Done. I, I, I love that shit. JJ, I got hit by a car. Please call an ambulance. I think I'm dying. There's blood everywhere. Just, indeed. His, <laughs> his mouth
0: would be moving for 10 minutes, and then five minutes later. Indeed.
3: It reminds me when fucking uh the guy from Police Academy used to do that shit. When he used to pretend to be the Chinese movie. Oh yeah, Michael
5: Winslow.
0: Yeah. <laughs> hey, at least hey, folks, at least he's seen Police Academy.
5: Thank God. Now we have Enzo Amore and Colin Cassidy versus the Legionnaires. This match doesn't even really start as when Lafour tags out to Marcus Louis, uh, he accidentally takes off um Louis's, um wig and that just Makes him snap, and he taxes a partner, beating him up on the ring apron and all that, and just walks off. So the match never really happens. We then have Cassidy say, "Heck, I guess we have time for another match." Ask for one girl called Bluey or Blue Pants because she's wearing blue pants. Which, uh, thanks to people from the whole indie show, that this girl is really Leva Bates. Yes, if that I'm is can-
0: correct, Leva Bates. Yes,
5: and he said, "Heck, you're gonna have a match against the debuting Carmella." And um, Carmella wins the match real quickly after using a figure four somewhat necklock submission to get this, the win. Yep. So I kind of like how they're setting up with um, Carmella. It was short, but pretty decent.
0: Yeah, you know, it's got potential. I mean, I want to see what Carmella can do. But obviously, she's got to be pretty good to get you know thrown into the, uh, the roster on NXT. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, it worked.
5: And I do hope to bring back Blue Pants, but you know, with the actual name. Because it is referred to throughout the whole match as blue pants. Uh, we then have Sasha Banks, and who gets interrupted by Becky Lynch, saying, heck, I don't appreciate what you did to Bailey last week and all that. And Sasha's like, I don't care, man, because I'm going to be the NXT Women's Champion. And says, heck, Becky, you've lost twice to Charlotte. And ask, what do you do to, um, to get to the top? And she leaves, and Becky just looks in the mirror, actually thinking what what was said. So... I like it that not only has Banks been good in the ring, she's been doing good in the promo work as well. True that. We didn't have Adrian Neville being interviewed about having to defend the NXT title against Titus O'Neil. Neville's like this: I don't care about these wrestlers from Raw, or SmackDown coming in to NXT feeling like they're better and all them better than all of us. So next week, Titus, I won't back down to you, and I will prove why I am the NXT champion. We then have the main event is Sami Zayn versus Tyson Kidd. These guys are going back and forth for a while. Titus almost wins the match with using a sharpshooter, only having to break it because Zayn reaches the ropes. But when Tyson tries for that inside-out guillotine leg drop, uh, Zayn moves out of the way and then hits an exploder suplex into the corner and wins after hitting uh, the Huluva kick to get the win. Starting off his redemption for the NXT title.
0: Yay! Sammy wins one against Tyson Kidd, who loses to everybody.
5: Yay! Wow, yay.
0: What, did you call that, what did you call that kick? The haluva kick. Wouldn't it be hellava? No, it's a- it's, it's haluva, Bronx. That's how they pronounce it. It's not hellava. It's haluva.
5: Would it be hard if I say insuguri? If you actually watched NXT,
0: every time we talk about NXT these big specials, I'm gonna make time to start watching this. Oh, I love NXT, and then he doesn't know what the fuck we're talking about every time. <laughs> Every time, every fucking week, we do this, and you don't know what the fuck we're talking about. That's it's- ruining a
3: great gimmick. Helluva, it should be. It's a hell of a kick. Hell of H-E-L-L-U-V-A.
0: Stop changing the subject. Are you going to start watching NXT or no? Dude, when I find fucking time to watch anything, I will. Well, fucking don't watch SmackDown. Watch fucking NXT. It's a goddamn hour. You're telling me when you do movie nights on Saturday nights and Friday nights, you ain't got an hour to kill on the fucking network? Yeah, but if I stop
3: covering SmackDown, then what do I do on getting the zone?
0: Well, okay. Is it not just a recap show anymore? Uh, with with one or two matches in? Fast forward and watch at, look, you can watch an hour of SmackDown and get everything you need to see. No, I can watch fifteen minutes of SmackDown and get everything. Well, hey, there you go. Then you got a fucking hour of NXT right there. Yeah, that's true.
5: Yeah, next week he said I didn't see the episode.
0: It's just logic,
5: Bronx.
3: Fuck you guys. <laughs> I never thought J and Anthony
0: would double team me. Fuck. This. Uh, what? Whoa, whoa. Just because he's from porn country don't mean nobody's getting double teamed. I don't know what the fuck y'all are talking about. You sick bastard. Y'all got some coast to coast loving going on there. I'm out of this. <laughs> I'm in another country entirely. California love. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Would, uh, would, you, would you two like to be alone? I've got a I've got a show to do.
5: <laughs> After that damn segment that Bronx did on getting the zone, I'm worried about him. It's bad enough I got to
3: be alone with him on Sunday nights to record. So no, please don't.
0: Fuck you. So anyway, overall ratings wise, what would you give the show?
5: It was a good show. I mean the. Again Tyson Kidd and Sami Zayn had another good match against each other which I enjoy but and I, I like this as a setup for the uh setting up for Zayn's uh road to get at the NXT title again which most likely is going to set up for him getting the shot at the next special. And like I said the women's title women's match between uh Charlotte and Becky good one right there. So I got to say a straight
0: up B. All right, well there you go. All right, Anthony, thanks for stopping by and uh, dropping some NXT on us. We'll talk to you next week. All right. See ya. All right. That was Anthony Farley with the NXT Rewind right here on SNS Unplugged. Now it's time to jump into some news of the week sponsored by our good friends over at wrestling online.com. I want to thank Colin Vaslow once again for getting a hold of us today and setting up the John Morrison, a.k.a. Johnny Mundo, interview for Lucha Underground. That was uh, directly responsible by mr colin baslow so once again colin we appreciate that and if you guys haven't checked out wrestling-online.com go check it out sign up for the newsletter it's one of the longest running newsletters on the internet today it's been around for 16 years and just like everything right here on the sns radio network it's absolutely free for you
2: Now, it's time for the news, sponsored by Wrestling-Online.com.
0: Well, our first story is an interesting one, as Stephanie McMahon, the WWE Chief Brand Officer, has been selected as a 2015 Eisenhower USA Fellow. One of nine U.S. leaders to participate in the prestigious International Leadership Exchange Program for Outstanding Professionals. The nine USA Fellows were selected from a highly competitive pool of applicants from across the United States. As an Eisenhower Fellow, McMahon will travel to Asia and South America to gain a deeper understanding of business implications in the region, local social challenges, and potential partnerships. Quote, I am honored to have been selected as an Eisenhower Fellow as part of such an esteemed class of global leaders. I look forward to this transformational experience to gain deeper understanding of the culture and key growth areas, to gain a both from a business and community standpoint, develop relationships with my fellows as well as key influencers abroad, partner with the Women's Leadership Program, and use this knowledge to help shape WWE's global business strategies and continue our mission of putting smiles on people's faces. Congratulations, go out. Stephanie McMahon for being selected as a 2015 Eisenhower USA Fellow.
3: Congratulations absolutely but like
0: what are the McMahons
3: on? I mean it's like amazing the shit that these people do in their daily lives like we've all heard of Vince's work schedule it seems like his daughter is the same now you know between being a mom and and being on TV and just uh, like you know, I can barely get out of fucking bed in the morning. How do these people in the business do it, man? Just 24 fucking seven doing things.
0: Goddamn, you can't even find an hour of time to watch NXT on an on-demand service that you pay nine ninety nine a month to fucking watch. I can't imagine how you would do any of this shit. I'm telling you, bro, I
3: just, I don't, I don't get it. It's like I try to find enough time in the day to to do shit. And, you know, it was like the Triple H DVD, the shit that that guy
0: does. I'm like, do these people, when do they find time to sleep? It's all part of the business, Bronx. It's all part of the business. Uh, In a recent post on his Facebook page, uh, John Bradshaw Layfield commented on the rumors about a fight that allegedly happened on Raw between Michael Cole and Justin Roberts a fight who someone online reported after multiple eyewitnesses' accounts. Quote, "...do you realize how preposterous this is? Michael has zero break during the three hours. King and I barely have enough to tweet. We go straight to the WWE app during commercials and back to TV action." Quoted JBL. Said that this is said this alleged fight never happened and was not even possible due to the lack of time. Rumors online, which we decided not to post because the story seemed a bit wild to happen in front of an arena filled with people. Claim that Justin Roberts was yelling at Michael Cole for something and even flipped him off. So JBL is addressing this and saying that did not happen. Yeah, I can't imagine
3: a guy like Roberts, even if they did have legit, you know, off-air heat. I can't imagine a pro like him doing that. You know, I read that story and I was like, hmm, something's fishy. It just... Doesn't mess with me, especially during a raw. Nah.
0: Speaking of Justin Roberts, uh, he posted a very heartfelt message to WWE fans on his Instagram account. His first since he was notified his contract would not be renewed last Monday, after all. Roberts called the job a dream one, and helping others while he worked for the company was the best part of it all. He thanked everyone from referees to security to travel to catering to everyone in between. To Vince McMahon, Kevin Dunn, and the authority who gave me this incredible opportunity, I've got two words for you. Thank you. The journey has been incredible and almost unbelievable. The almost 35-year-old is also aware of the negative comments the company received since its release. After reading through all of your message, quote, I just want to say this. Please do not be angry and please do not be sad. I lived my dream. I'm glad that maybe now someone else will have a spot to live theirs. You can read the full entry of his post over at wrestling-online.com. I gotta say that's classy as fuck by Justin Roberts to post what he posted. Good for him, and I hope that he finds something else, lands on his feet, and pursues whatever he uh, he decides to do. So uh, that's class, folks. Kudos to Justin Roberts.
3: Yeah, it's it's you know professionalism too. Why burn a bridge? You know we don't we don't know what the, I don't know why he was released. I mean it if it's a cost cutting measure i think that's completely insane maybe there was some backstage shit but not exactly the backstage shit that we think it is you know I, I don't know what's going on but for him to not be bitter and you know do like a lot of guys do when they leave the company or leave the business and you know shoot on everyone you know well, that's that's cool
0: he's not doing shoot interviews where he talks about how triple h took the shovel and buried him so i guess that's a positive
3: yeah, you know, it's like a lot of guys, you know, the, like the millisecond they're fired from WWE. Well, let's uh, call up a shoot interview company and, you know, drunkenly rant for three hours. I mean, do I enjoy watching them? Yes, but...
0: That damn Triple H, he He got rid of the sledgehammer. He had the shovel and he buried me. I couldn't get ahead because of Triple H. It's all Triple H's fault. Yeah, I don't know
3: what's up with Roberts, but, I mean,
0: you know... I'm just waiting for that rumor to start. I'm just, I'm just waiting. But, you know, kudos to... To Justin for setting the record straight and, and being positive and you know giving a classy response that's that's cool much respect for Justin Roberts from JJ sex a, Jeff Jackson agree oh, uh, speaking of Justin Roberts being gone it seems that Lillian Garcia is back to doing ring announcing on raw taking over for Justin Roberts who was let go from the company last Monday Garcia had not announced an episode of raw since the end of September 2009 when she left the company and was eventually replaced by Roberts. With Garcia moving to Raw from SmackDown, Eden Stiles will now take over Garcia's ring announcing on the SmackDown brand. Styles, who is the current wife of Cody Rhodes, a.k.a. Stardust, has worked on NXT and done backstage interviews for Raw, SmackDown, and pay-per-views. It's interesting. So it looks like they're setting up Eden Styles to be the one to take that position, as right now Lillian Garcia is going to be moved to the Raw roster Which is interesting, considering that Lillian Garcia was the ring announcer uh, during the Attitude Era. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Let the rumors begin. Let them begin, folks.
3: I mean, between Dean Ambrose, you know, doing everything short of whatever to a fucking mannequin, and, you know, freaking, you know, military guys getting attacked and kicked in the head. I mean, shit, it is. I'm getting that little bit of an
0: Attitude Era feel no? Attitude error is not coming back. Fucking let it go. Jesus Christ. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go.
3: I can dream. Just remember, buddy, John Cena fans are getting into their teens. Remember what happened to us when we got in our teens? What did they do?
0: (laughs) Shut up, Bronx. Anyway, uh, Randy Orton apparently has taken over the fucking Internet. Well, not him specifically, but his fans who are using the RKO on several Vine videos that has people and animals falling with the magic of video editing as, th- as they appear to be getting RKO'd. Videos of Orton <clears throat> hitting this move have been popping up on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media, and now even Orton himself is retreating some of the best ones. The videos often contain commentary from Michael Cole, Jerry Lawler, or Jim Ross for a bigger laugh. You can catch some of the best ones over at wrestling-online.com. Uh, good for Randy Orton for finally getting over on something there. You know, he's not even doing anything, but the RKO is so over that now everybody is doing vines with it. I think it's funny as hell. I, you know what? I can't get enough of them.
3: I just think they're hilarious, you know, especially the ones like where something just normal's going on, and they'll put him in the corner smiling, and then the guy goes down, RKO. Oh, my God, RKO. I, I love that shit. I think it's fucking hilarious.
0: I think my favorite is the one where this kid's running down the hall, and you hear somebody say, no running in the hall. And he fucking trips, and then it shows uh, Art Randy Orton grabbing him and RKOing him, and then he, he poses in front of the camera and with that big shit eating grin. That's my favorite one, I think. I think it's hilarious because, you know, it's kind of like the boogeyman, you know? Uh, and I don't mean like the boogeyman from, like, you know, eating the worms and shit, right. but like it's that, you know, don't do this. You're not supposed to do this, and if you do it, you're going you're gonna to pay the consequences. It's like the boogeyman came out from under the bed and tripped him up. I just I think that's my favorite one so far. If we ever get together, next time we get together, we got to do one, bro.
3: We got to. Fu- See, I don't know what software they're using to do this. I had asked that on the SNS page the other day. I don't know how they're doing it, but it must be easy to do because there's like a fucking hundred of them out there. So we got to do one, bro. It's like the ice bucket challenge. Yeah,
0: we may do that. We may do that. But uh, speaking of Randy Orton, according to a fan report, a fan claims that Randy Orton was injured during last night's main event on Raw. The reader claims that Orton appeared to be hurt when Dean Ambrose dove off the announce table onto the rest of the competitors. The report notes that Orton spoke with the WWE doctor and stated that, quote, the ruptured disc in my back is fucked. There's been no word from WWE on Orton being injured at this time. I don't know how much validity is into this report, but if you remember watching Raw last night, there was a, there was a part where he was on the outside, and I think he almost went through a table. Like, this was inside the cell. The cell was down, and there was a table, and it looked like he took an awkward bump, and he almost impaled himself. Yeah. And I swear to God, he says, fuck, and you pick it up on the fucking camera. I'm pretty sure the audio is there. I might have to go back and watch that. But So I don't know if, he's, if, if there's any legitimacy to this, but I do remember him dropping an F-bomb for being pissed about something. So it's possible... That that could have happened, but, you know, I, I nothing has been announced thus far.
3: One day we just have to do a fucking conspiracy theory show on coincidence. Isn't it amazing to you if, again, if this is true, and J.J. and I can't confirm it right now, hopefully we'll hear something. This next. is
0: strictly a rumor as of right now. Right. But if it is true, I mean, WWE,
3: you notice how in any sport like in wrestling, football, whatever, there are certain years where just the fucking injuries, on top of injuries. I mean, first we had Daniel Bryan, then we had Roman Reigns. You know, two guys who were just ready to be put on top, and now possibly Randy Orton, a guy who they may have been trying to set up to get back on top. I mean, it's it's like it's like the fucking Madden curse. You know whoever gets put on the cover of, you know, the the Madden football video game gets injured. It's almost like as soon as you're about to get a push, you know, your your fucking spine's going to fly out. It, it it's weird this year, man. 2014 has been just injury heavy for WWE.
0: I agree. UFC women's champion Ronda Rousey got physical at a live event for Pro Wrestling Gorilla in Resita, California. Rousey, who attended the event with fellow UFC fighter and wrestling fan Shayna Baszler, sat in the front row for the show, and the champ got her hands dirty in the opening match. The first match saw Biff Busick taking on Tomaso Sciampa, and when the two were outside the ring and in front of the, the two UFC female fighters, uh, Sciampa held Busick up for Rousey, and Rousey decided to honor the Nature Boy by chopping Busick for a nice pop from the crowd. Rousey, the self-proclaimed leader of the four horsewomen, is a huge wrestling fan, got her rowdy nickname from Roddy Piper, and was present at SummerSlam this past year in Los Angeles with the other three horsewomen.
3: Man, if you can get these girls, like when they're dumb with the UFC, you want something to do with Ric Flair if he doesn't fuck it up? You know, maybe even his daughter could join it. You know, could you imagine, like, the horsewomen you know, a stable with Ric Flair behind it with some girls who can actually wrestle.
0: Yep. That could be some shit. Could be interesting. The WWE will be announcing its third quarter 2014 results on Thursday, October 30th, before the opening of the market. Chairman and Chief Executive Officer Vince McMahon and the Chief Strategy and Financial Officer George Barrios will host a conference call beginning at 11 a.m. Eastern to discuss the results. The results will include... The numbers of the WWE Network after the worldwide rollout, a number which investors will keep a very close eye on. At the conference call, WWE announced last year they had seven, or this past year, 700,000 network subscribers. That's going to get interesting.
3: Yeah, wow, the day before Halloween, shit. All Hallows' Eve, they're going to be announcing the numbers. I that that's always like a clusterfuck in the IWC every couple
0: months when they do this well i've got some bad news oh excuse me let me try this again i'm afraid i've got some bad news the wb shares went tumbling down after nathaniel august the founder of mangrove capital partners went to cnbc and said in an on on an on-air interview that the WWE Network subscriber growth numbers are not strong enough. August said that the WWE will earn nothing on a corporate level and they will need 1.4 million subscribers to the WWE Network to justify it, something he believes is never going to happen. You can see his appearance uh, over at Wrestling Online.com. WWE shares were trading up to 1468 during the day, 67 cents higher than when they opened up earlier in the day. However, once that interview made it on the air, stocks went down to 1401 and went down even further to 1381, losing 4.30% of its value. Ouch. Man, you know,
3: where do you know, is it a prerequisite before you become a stock trader that you cut your balls off? I'm starting to think so, man. I mean, it's just, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, amazing how These people invest their life in something and I can go on a podcast or or an interview and say, well, uh, you know, I don't think WWE is going to do it. And, you know, the, the fucking stocks drop. I mean, holy shit. You know, Vince McMahon had to go public in order to compete with Ted Turner. But to this day, I still think that it's more of a headache for them than anything else.
0: I would I would agree with that. Um On a positive note, WWE recently won a lawsuit to get control of WWE.org, which was being held by an individual who was trying to sell it to them for $50,000. If you visit WWE.org right now, you'll see the individual is still in possession, possibly appealing it or has to hand hand it over by a set date. Apparently, he was not very happy and left a very uh, bitter message for them, but it has been taken down since, but... uh, WWE won a lawsuit. They now will own WWE.org, and they won't have to pay $50,000 for it.
3: First of all, this guy's a complete fucking idiot because my price tag would have been about $50 million. Secondly, if you buy a domain, and I know a little bit about this, you own it. I have to really delve into this now because it piqued my interest. You know, if I bought WWE.org 10 years ago, and you happen to you know, launch a successful WWE.com site, that doesn't mean that I'm required to hand that over to you. It's mine. I own it. Uh, This is
0: weird. Yeah, I would do some research on that.
3: Yeah, I mean, because, I mean, $50,000? it would be like if I could go back in time and buy Microsoft.com. You know, Bill Gates is going to be my fucking driver for the rest of his life if he wants it. I mean, come on.
0: Something's something's fishy here. That is a little fishy. The 2014 Slammy Awards will be taking place during the December 8th Monday Night Raw in Greenville, South Carolina. They'll be in some Ric Flair country. Woo! The the possible appearance of Ric Flair just seems like it's going to happen. Uh, The Slammy Awards has been a yearly event since 2008, has been a part of the Raw broadcast ever since. WWE brought it back, the concept, after a 10-year hiatus. The show is being held at the Bon Secours Wellness Arena, and the website for the arena is promoting that WWE World Heavyweight Champion Brock Lesnar is scheduled to be on that broadcast as well. So if we don't see him at any pay-per-view, we know that he'll at least be at the Slammy Awards this year. All right. Wait a minute. This is actually the Wellness Arena? The Bon Secours Wellness Arena is the name of the arena. That is so ironically awesome. Isn't it ironic, don't you think? I love
3: it. The wellness arena. Oh, my God. So that means that fucking Jeff Hardy will be nowhere near it. I wonder if they're going to wellness test people when they get to the arena. Yeah. Have piss tests right in the fucking ring.
0: Well, the name (laughs) says it all. You may as well.
3: That's awesome. So now let's say. Your flight gets canceled, and you don't make it to the show that night. Did you violate the wellness policy?
0: It's quite possible.
3: I'm, I'm telling you, man, it, it, Don. There's too many coincidences going on tonight. I'm starting to
0: get spooked. WWE and E announced that Paige and Alicia Fox will be joining the cast of Total Divas when the new episodes of season three resume in January. The mid-season finale of this season will air uh, this week which is the wedding of Eva Marie and SummerSlam, with new episodes returning on January 4th. The addition of Paige and Fox will bring the total number of cast to 10 as they join Trinity, Rosa, Natty, Nikki, Bree, Eva, Arianne, and Summer. I'm so happy I could just shit to hear Paige on Total Divas. This is my house. Are they going to bring Paige, Paige's
3: boyfriend on too, or a husband? I don't know if she's married. I don't think she is, but... You know. I just imagine her grabbing the guy's crotch and going, "This is my dick. You can't have it. This is my dick." And the guy being embarrassed.
0: Well, as much shakeups as they have on Total Divas right now, they're, they're they're teasing the fact that TJ and Natty are headed for divorce, and there's just so much crazy shit going on on Total Divas. They're they're teasing a breakup of John Cena and Nikki Bella. This show is so fucking scripted. It is a guilty pleasure. I do watch it every week, but it's, it's getting pretty out there. We covered this shit last week. Did you hear
3: that, that fucking Don Juan just melting a woman's heart promo by John Cena? Well, uh, let me ask you. If, uh, if we were to get married, uh, would that be enough? And you could just see the love pouring out of Nikki Bella.
0: Well, okay, here's the thing. I understand, you know, again, this is so scripted, it's it's hilarious. John Cena got out of a messy divorce, even though he cheated on his wife with people like, um, let me see. Let me think off a of hand. There's two. Victoria. The entire WWE. No, no. Victoria said that her and John had a fling back in the day. And Kenny, uh, what was it? Kenny from the Spirit Squad, Kenny Doan, came out and said that when he was with, uh, mickey james that her and john cena were doing the deed and they were having an affair and then after that went south she got released from the company shit i thought you were about to say john cena fuck kenny doan i was gonna be what the fuck so you know again it is what it is i don't care but this shit is so fucking heavily scripted it's not even funny they, 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 you know watching this show they make natty seem like a complete nutter bitch they make tj seem like he doesn't give a shit about his fucking wife you know, nothing could be farther from the fucking truth. I know these people personally, and they've got a great relationship, and they get along great. They're like best fucking friends. They've known each other for 13 years. Uh, it, it just bugs me. It's so fucking heavily scripted, it's ridiculous. Yeah, they're making Natty out to be
3: that chick, like, you know, I don't know. Like She's like that chick where if you make a left turn instead of a right turn while you're driving with your wife, she'll be like, why the fuck you make a left turn? You know, what the fuck's up? Why'd you make a left turn instead of a right? What the fuck? And the guy's like, what are you talking about? I just made a turn. No, you made a left turn for a reason. You know, one of those freaking women who just see a conspiracy in everything
0: that the guy does. In other words, a bitch that nags. A fucking exactly. nag. And that, that's what they've, they've turned her into. Uh, it, it is laughable at this point. You know, they, they, they've completely changed every character. At one point, Brie Bella was awesome. And now, you know, her and Daniel Bryan's relationship is starting to to flounder a little bit. It's just, you know, it's just funny. It, it really is. Oh, well, at
3: least you said Brie. The last time Nikki was awesome saying anything, she was fucking asking for milk as a baby. Because that was the last time she made any fucking sense.
5: Wow.
0: But anyway, uh, so yeah, watch Total Divas. It's a clusterfuck. I can't wait for the inclusion of Alicia Fox and Paige. Uh, I guess this means Paige will never touch a women's or uh, excuse me, a Divas Championship again since, since Vince. Let's try that again. I guess she will never touch a Divas title because Vince McMahon has a role in play that anyone on that show cannot have the Divas title. So I guess AJ is going to fucking retire with this belt next year. I don't know.
3: Uh, if, if 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 Paige touched a woman and said, "This is my house," then I. Total Divas would get very interesting.
0: This is my booty. (laughs) Okay. All righty, then. Uh, You know, better yet, why don't they have Paige and fucking Rosa Mendez make out? Because she borderlines on fucking uh, wanting to make out with fucking chicks and, and, you know, date guys with dicks. I don't know. She just She's kind of in the middle somewhere.
3: Well, dating guys with dicks is normal. I,
0: (laughs) I don't know, man. She's all making out with fucking Natty and shit. So, I mean, you know. If you're a
3: woman. Before people start what they should do, is they should have you know, WWE likes to reboot horrors. They should have the invisible man where Paige fucks Sheamus and the
0: baby's invisible. Well, goddamn, if you got Sheamus and Paige in a bed together with white sheets, you can't see either one of them. Oh my god, Sheamus and Paige. The only All, all, All you'll see is like the hair. You'll see like the red hair and the fucking black hair. That's it. That's it. That's all you'll see. It'd be like wigs in the fucking bed. Yeah, they're the only two
3: people who can go to a clan meeting without hoods.
0: Oh, that's wrong. That uh, was, that was wrong, folks. Send your hate mail to Bronx. That that was wrong. <laughs> Might as well send your hate mail. Everyone else does. Yeah, so go guess. ahead. Anyway, like I said, I'm really not excited about this, but uh, woohoo! Way to go, total divas. Woohoo! Let's change the subject and talk about something interesting. Former WWE champion Dwayne The Rock Johnson arrived in Japan amidst a media and fan frenzy that saw thousands of people show up for his appearance to promote his movie, Hercules. Perhaps the biggest surprise was the appearance of wrestling legend The Great Muda, who came out during the premiere of the movie dressed as Hercules. The two had a stare down and looked like they were going to fight, but then they laughed and hugged each other. Quote, it is a real honor and great privilege to meet The Great Muda, says The Rock, as he went on to explain how many members of his family have actually wrestled Muda, You can check out that video over at wrestling-online.com. Wow. Well, maybe the great Muda will make better box office
3: numbers than Rock did, as fucking Hercules.
0: Hey, you know what? The great Muda uh, had actually been tweeting that he was going to attack the Rock when he got to Japan. So I think that's funny that he showed up as Hercules, and, and they laughed and hugged it out. That was great.
3: Yeah, I mean, I have no problem with that, but I'm just saying, I mean, promoting
0: Hercules, I think it's a bit late for that, isn't it? Just about. Well, no, I mean, it it obviously is releasing over there now. Some movies release in different parts of the world at different times. Uh, Now, Hercules did okay at first, and then it it tanked. But, you know, it still made millions of bucks. So at the end of the day.
3: Well, now, hold on. I ain't shitting on The Rock. I mean, God bless the brother. If I could have a tenth of his fucking money, I'd be happy. So I'm just poking fun. I ain't shitting on the guy. I mean, if they want to meet a star as a fat, blind, fucking Hercules, I'd do it.
0: Um, the Boogeyman. Yes, that Boogeyman from WWE posted a photo on his Twitter posing in front of the WWE logo at the WWE headquarters saying, Just when you thought it was safe, last week he posted a tweet telling his fans, guess who's coming home? Quote, it feels great to be home, home again, coming to get you. Never say never. The Boogeyman gimmick is portrayed by 50-year-old Martin Wright, whose first brush with WWE came in 2004 when he applied for Tough Enough. Strangely enough, it was the same Tough Enough that I auditioned for. After being selected to be among the eight finalists, he admitted that he was 40 years old, over the age limit to be considered. He initially lied about his age despite getting cut. He was signed to a WWE deal in 2005 and released a year later he returned only a month later after re-signing with WWE and spent three years there. His last appearance on WWE television came during the 2012 Slammy Awards when he interrupted Booker T. It's not known why he was at the headquarters, but it's likely something which is related to the WWE Network.
3: Yeah, the Network, maybe. He ain't coming back to the roster. I mean, really?
0: I would almost say he's back to do something for Halloween. Maybe, yeah. They, they might do some random segment where they do a Halloween-themed show And in the background, here's the boogeyman and just some weird fucking hornswoggle might be doing something with, with fucking El Torito. And then all of a sudden, hornswoggle pops up. And then Ron Simmons walks around the corner and he says, damn, man, you need a hug. You lost out to the fucking boogeyman. I'm fucking tough enough. Shit. No, I didn't even get to the stage where I could audition. I sent the tape in. They never fucking showed any footage. Like, I I was a little distraught because I had a good fucking video. I did a promo off the top of my head, no fucking script on the first take. that was fucking badass. I sent the motherfucker off. I went along with the requirements that they gave me. And I never heard back. I was a little bitter there for a while. Yeah, you weren't so old
3: that you bring war and peace into the Bantam with you to take a piss. I was in my 20s at the time, my late 20s. I mean, look, man, the the boogeyman, the the gimmick was kind of like fucked up. It was cool. But I mean, as far as in the ring, oh,
0: oh, man, he was he was he was a physical specimen. That was it. The thing about the boogeyman was just he was creepy. You know, the fact that would eat real worms was just disgusting. I was very creeped out by the boogeyman. Yeah, me too.
3: But I mean, I could have done that gimmick. I mean, it's not like there was much in ring required. I mean, if you want my fat ass to go in the ring and fucking eat worms and make
0: you know a six figure now, paycheck, now Bronx, a year. Bronx, some athleticism is required. I, I don't think you could do it. Not now. Uh, I don't know, man. Not I at this stage a in the cl-
3: game. I could break a clock, and so you're saying I'm done? I'm past my prime? <laughs> Pretty
0: <laughs> much. <laughs> well, Bronx, let's face it. You're not 260 pounds of ripped fucking muscle. Neither am I, for that matter. But at the time of the video, I was about 225 pounds, a pretty solid bustle. I didn't have a six-pack abs, but you know, I was in good shape. Yeah, but I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the fucking Boogeyman. It's not like he was in the greatest of fucking shape. The fuck he wasn't. Boogeyman was a goddamn animal. Go back and look at his fucking bod, man. The fucking dude had abs. He was in great fucking shape. I don't know. Maybe he had more like, uh, though. No, that no maybe. Life. No, maybe. He was in fucking shape. You need to get that one eye checked, bro. I don't remember him being in that great a fucking shape. Well, then know. you don't remember much. I mean, compared to
3: me, sure he was, but, you know.
0: Compared to a lot of fucking people, he was in fucking great shape.
3: I check that out.
0: I don't know. I think you're
3: misremembering stuff. I might be. I don't remember him being in that great a shape. Maybe I'm thinking of someone else. Yeah, he I... was
0: in great fucking shape. The guy was about 260, 270 and fucking solid muscle. Didn't have an ounce of fucking fat on him. I don't know where you're getting this. He wasn't in good shape shit. I don't know. Maybe it was a gimmick. <laughs> I, don't know. I guess, man. Somebody needs to fucking break a clock over your goddamn dome. You're killing me tonight, man. Killing it. Talk about killing it, though. Hulk Hogan did appear on Monday Night Raw after the show went off the air. He appeared on Raw Backstage Pass immediately following the show, sporting the pink Hulkamania shirt. Hogan joined John Cena in the ring in front of the hot Kansas City crowd and did the usual poses and shook hands with Cena before convincing Cena to do the poses with him in front of all four sides of the arena. Hogan is also being advertised for next week's Raw in San Antonio, Texas at the the AT&T Center, most likely for a similar role. If you didn't watch WWE after Raw went off the air last night, they did a DX Confidential. Or it was Michael Cole talking to both Triple H and Shawn Michaels about how DX came about and everything. You can actually catch it on the network now. It was pretty badass. I recommend it.
3: Yeah, I checked that out. It, it was good. I agree. I have to recommend that one, too. It was pretty cool. You know, it's funny. <laughs> I, I don't know if this is in your news. I'm almost afraid to bring it up. But I, I've been reading rumors all over like Facebook today that they're talking about possibly hulk hogan cena at wrestlemania 31 that ain't happening yeah i mean it was like everyone was excited about that shit today and i was like look i'm not making fun of hulk hogan i don't really hate hulk hogan i dislike a lot of the shit he said but i mean come on dude's got a home depot on
0: his back okay it it ain't happening no it's not gonna happen i'd be surprised if it did but it ain't happening uh, our final news story of the night, and this is a sad story, and I, I even hate to, to to talk about this, but Douglas Baker, known to many in the wrestling industry as Ox Baker, passed away at the age of 80 uh, yesterday due to complications from a heart attack. Baker made his wrestling debut in 1962 and went on to wrestle for the Worldwide Wrestling Federation, Stampede Wrestling, American Wrestling Association, and many others. He wrestled the likes of Hulk Hogan, Gorilla Monsoon, Carlos Colon, the Sheik, Macho Man Randy Savage, and other big names during his career. Apart from a wrestling career, Baker also did work in some movies, and his most famous role came in the film Escape from New York, fighting against Kurt Russell. He was also uh, featured on The Price is Right back from, I, I think it was the 80s. Uh, he and Bob Barker uh, actually had some pretty funny chemistry on that show together. Uh, he was just a contestant, and, and he won some things, and took place in the Showcase uh, Challenge, you know, spinning the wheel. And that was about as far as he went. But uh, Ox Baker, unfortunately, passed away at the age of 80. And, and our thoughts and condolences go out to the friends and family and the fans of Ox Baker. Uh, he will be missed. You
3: know, it's funny. I don't remember anything of like Ox in the ring, but I do remember Escape from New York for sure. Well, that's fucking surprising. You know, no, no, I saw that shit. If you're a New, new Yorker, you ought to see that shit. But, you know, I mean, it, it's... The one positive, though, is it's good to hear like these guys pass on, obviously, of old age. You know, the wrestling business has such a stigma of guys, oh, this guy died in his 30s, his 40s from steroids and all this. And it's really no more or no less than any other sport. But in wrestling, it's, it's disgustingly glorified that guys pass away young. But, you know, here's a guy who thank god lived on to his 80s and i mean you know again don't remember much of him in the ring but i definitely know the name so rest in peace brother
0: no doubt that's gonna do it for our news of the week we're gonna take our final commercial break when we come back we're gonna read these fucking emails before we get out of here and uh call it a night it's been a been a great show Uh, once again i want to thank colin Vassalo for setting us up with uh The former John Morrison, now known as Johnny Mundo, if you just tuned into the show, you missed an interview with John Morrison, a.k.a. Johnny Mundo from Lucha Underground, but um, check out the archive. It will be available tomorrow. That being said, we'll be right back with more right after this on SNS Unplugged. everybody, this is Jim Cornette, pro wrestling legend and all-around nice guy. You're listening to the SNS Radio Network and you've made the right choice.
5: Exclusively on the S.N.S. Radio Network and the Chris Jones
6: Gaming Network. Yeah. This is going to be fun.
0: It's me, Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. Just a reminder for you to listen to Sunday Night Showdown every pay-per-view Sunday, as I'll be joined by my broadcast partner, the Bronx Father, Tony J. Mirabella, Harmony Boom Boom Jackson, and Mark the Shark De Carlo, as we provide the best pay-per-view coverage of the WWE. And it starts at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific time, every pay-per-view sunday sunday night showdown your home for wwe pay-per-view coverage
4: he is arguably the singular face of wcw
2: from venice beach california this is
4: His legacy firmly
3: entrenched by his loyalty to the brand.
4: The Golden Boy of WCW.
3: His persona and subsequent evolution made him a sports entertainment icon.
1: The fans are up and Sting has come out.
2: The face paint. I always liked the kids that have their face painted up. The bold colors.
4: Man, has he got a legion of fans, young and old alike. They are rabid for this man.
6: The energy. There's only one more thing I want to say. The passion.
1: Oh, baby! The crowning jewel
4: for WCW!
3: He is the man that millions simply call
2: Sting. The Best of Sting, available on Blu-ray and DVD now. Welcome back to Unplugged with Bronx Zilla, Tony J. Marabella, and Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson, on the SNS Radio Network.
0: I swear to God, every time I hear this song now, I want to dance like little baby Groot from Guardians of the Galaxy. I, I, it, it makes my appreciation of the Jackson 5 that much better. Yes, Bronx, that was the Jackson 5. And if you haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy, you know what the fuck I'm talking about. Little baby Groot dancing and jamming to the fucking beat. Batista turns around with his knives and Groot stops dancing. He turns back around and Groot starts dancing again. I never
3: was really a big, Michael Jackson guy till he got older. I mean, it was like, you know, I don't want fucking kids singing.
0: <laughs> the fucking no, Jackson t- 5 was awesome, dude. What the fuck's wrong with you?
3: Man, I don't know. It sounds like fucking, you know, one of the Rascals singing. I don't know. The Rascals? I, I don't know who. I mean, how does like, a, you know, I- who the fuck are the Rascals? Are we talking about the little Rascals? Are you talking like Bugwheat and Alfalfa? Yeah, it's like little kids singing. It's like, you know, just, uh, I don't know. When he got older and started. fucking fucked really up, dude. Shit. You are seriously fucked up. I was never a big. In, I was a big Jackson fan when he grew up and went out on his own. But like the Jackson 5 shit. And oh, so,
0: so what you're saying is you didn't like Michael Jackson until he got white. You fucking racist motherfucker. See, see the way you twist shit around. No, I no, mean, you, no. You said, and I quote, I didn't like Michael Jackson until he went out on his own much later in his career, which I is when say he was white. Shit white. Which not. is when he was white. You don't like black Michael, you like white Michael. Why don't you I just don't. fucking admit it now? You fucking racist. You're going
3: to compare the fucking Jackson 5 shit to Beat It, Thriller. You know, come on, man. Smooth criminal. Jackson had his best years, like when he was an adult. I mean, come on, man. That
0: all the, all this coming from accent. a guy. All this coming from a guy who thought Beat It was a song about masturbation. It's not. Anyway, welcome back to SNS Unplugged. I am Mr. Money on the mic, Jeff Jackson. He is uh, Bronxzilla Tony J. Mirabella. Wow, you just blew
3: my mind. Oh, I thought that's what it was about. I mean, I know definitely Captain Jack was a song about jerking off.
0: I know She Bop by Cyndi Lauper was a song about female masturbation.
3: Was it really? It was. Wow. But I mean, Captain Jack was one of my crazes. The Captain Jack will get you
0: every time. Just a little push. <laughs> wow. Fuck. All right. So we've established a couple of things on the show tonight. Bronx doesn't know who the fuck Bobby Brown is as he's, as he's confusing Bobby Brown with Chris Brown. And and he liked white Michael better than black Michael.
3: Things that you only, just don't know. Not only did I say that I liked white Michael better than black
0: Michael, but I accused the wrong Brown of beating up someone. Now I'm not saying that, that Bobby Brown never beat up Whitney Houston. I just don't remember that. I just remember the drug shit that they went through, so. I just remember my wife telling me and this is disgusting but my wife was telling me there was a documentary or something and Whitney Houston couldn't poop and Bobby Brown stuck his finger up his ass so that she could poop. Wait a minute, what? That's love right there, folks. Bobby loved Whitney. I'm just saying. Oh, God, you're kidding me. Harmony told you about that? I'm telling you, bro. I'm not fucking around. Wow. Oh, hey, there's another Bobby Brown song. Get up off my back ain't nobody humping around
1: that, that almost
3: one. negates beating a bitch up if you're willing to stick like if you're willing to stick your fingers up a chick's ass and pull her shit out
1: that's you love have
3: the
0: right to beat her up that's I, love yeah that that's like I don't know that I could do that, but that's love Wow anyway, it is what it is. We do have some emails to get to, but before we get to that I, briefly, I want to talk about uh I want to talk about uh, The Walking Dead on Sunday. If you didn't see the show, what the fuck is wrong with you? Speaking of Whitney Houston, The, the last five minutes of that show was just epic. So spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it. For those of you that watched the season premiere, you know that the group escaped from Terminus. They killed a bunch of them. Rick wanted to kill all of them. And the group said, no, let it go. Let's move on. Let's get away from here. The group should have listened to Rick. And they should have eradicated those motherfuckers because Gareth and the ones that survived, even the one that I thought Tyrese killed, he didn't kill. This one was back this week. So apparently Tyrese beat the shit out of him, but he didn't kill him, which kind of pissed me off. So Gareth and all these other motherfuckers that survived basically got Bob when he was by himself and uh, knocked him out from behind. When Bob came to, they were having a barbecue. And Bob was the main course. Bob's still alive, missing a leg. And they're eating him in front of him while they're talking to him. Disturbing, yet controversial TV on The Walking Dead. That's right. You heard it here. They had a barbecue. And poor kebab was the main dish. Let me just say this,
3: okay? I did watch a a few episodes of The Walking Dead, but because of you and because of especially my mom pressuring me. Now, my plan was to watch them both, the season premiere and this one. But I only got around to watching this one because you and I talked about it off the air the other day. And I mean, that was like, that was one of those things. and And I'm a horror movie buff. It's one of the reasons that Anthony and I get along because he and I are both horror movie guys. And I mean, it was like, That was one of the few scenes, and this is on fucking, what is it, A&E? No, it's on AMC. AMC, excuse me. And I'm sitting there like, holy fucking shit. To wake up, to come to consciousness and see that they're cooking your fucking leg. I'm surprised they get away with this shit. It's just, it's some disturbing, gruesome shit.
0: Well, there was one thing that we found out about the other group. They prefer the dark meat. Oh my God. Whoa. I you just don't have, you don't have to cook it as long. I I, I, I I just you know, that that got me. He wakes up and the guy's talking to him and says, Don't take any of this shit personal, we do this to anybody. And then he fucking glances down, they're eating. They say, you know, it all comes down to we gotta eat.
3: And wait he, a he minute, he looks no, down no hold
0: on. He looks down and his fucking left leg is gone. And they are eating his fucking leg. They've cooked it. You see it on the fire. Like, his foot is literally sitting on the fence where they were cooking it. And Gareth is just taking big bites out of whatever the fuck piece of his leg. You come to, and they're fucking eating your goddamn body parts in front of you. How fucking horrible is that? Like, I I can't even imagine. I would rather just fucking die don't fucking wake me up and fucking have my leg gone and you're eating me in front of me. That's fucking awful. Like, I can't think of a worse fate. And they're going to keep him around and, and feed on whatever they can before they kill him. You know, next week they'll eat his other goddamn leg. You know, and he'll still be alive. Like, what, what worse way to, to know the anticipation of death is coming but they're going to kill you slowly so they can fucking eat your ass. Not to
3: mention the infections, and I'm sorry I interrupted you there, but what I was going to say is I love that shit too. Oh, well, it's nothing personal. What? Like, you know, as good of friends as you and I are, if you wake up and you're missing a fucking foot and I'm eating it and I say, well, JJ, it's nothing personal. No, you're goddamn right it's personal.
0: (laughs) All all I got to say is if that happens, you better hope you fucking kill me because if I get the chance, I'm going to fuck you up. In every way that I possibly can, I will uh, fucking slay you. No, homeboy ain't fucking nobody up anymore. I mean,
3: it's like you know. I mean, did they fucking cauterize the wound so he could stay alive? So they could eat him? Li- you know, maybe they they don't have refrigerators. This was my first sick thought. These sick motherfuckers don't have refrigeration, so they want to keep the meat fresh, and that's why they're keeping these motherfuckers alive as long
0: as possible. Well. I, I- I I will say this. There are rumors that he might have gotten bit because they did have a scene in the show where uh, they're in this food bank and they're in the water and they've got all these walkers and shit coming up out of the water that have been there for a while. It was pretty disgusting. And one of them grabs a hold of him. And so there is a theory that one of them bit him, which I kind of think happened because at the end of the episode when they're all celebrating in the church and they're they're eating the food from the food bank. You know, he's talking to the to Tyrese's sister and he goes, you know, let me let me have a kiss and everything. And then he goes out in the woods and starts crying. So I'm starting to wonder if maybe he got bit and didn't tell anybody, because if that's the case, then that's going to get real fucking interesting. You know, he's being eaten by these motherfuckers and he might have been bitten by the zombies by the walkers. So I don't know. We'll see what happens in the next episode. But Walking Dead, the most compelling show on TV right now, in my opinion yeah my mom said the same thing
3: about him being bit i mean look man but that's fucked up still when they knock you unconscious
0: and pull a chris melendez on your ass that's fucked up yeah no doubt anyway if you're not watching it you should let's go ahead and transition into some emails because we got a bunch to get through real quick
2: if i can be serious for a minute without being interrupted
0: kentucky long rifle what is that an email can i have your attention please
5: i've just received an email
0: uh this first one comes to us from eric and this is i think a couple weeks old uh hi jj in bronx thanks for reading my email on the last Unplug show and uh so glad you read my other email haven't watched all of raw of this writing of this email just wanted to say that uh It would have been pretty awesome being on the train and seeing Dean Ambrose on there with you. Then again, I think all wrestling fans in Brooklyn were in the arena, not on the train. Nobody on there looked like they knew who... I think we read this one, actually. We did. Yeah, just got past the Extreme Rules 2010 archive where the duct tape incident first occurred. You don't go off as much as I thought you would have, JJ. I'm almost up to Summer Scam, and I know how you felt about the event, so I can't wait to hear it. Okay, so we did actually read that one last time we did emails.
3: Yeah, I think we did. But what was he talking about, Batista getting
0: duct tape? Yeah, he was talking about the the duct tape incident from Sunday Night Showdown when Batista uh, got duct taped by John Cena, and I was was pissed. I thought that was bullshit. I thought the shit was funny. I mean, I was pissed too because it was
3: cheap, but I still thought shit was funny.
0: (laughs) Uh, This one is from Mark in the UK. Hey, guys, sent you an email a couple weeks ago. It was kind of random and kind of pointless. I'll try to do better this time. Finally got around to watching Kane's movie, No Evil. Good movie, horror movies. You kind of get what's going to happen from the start. There's not much or many that surprised me this one did. If anyone hasn't seen this movie, I recommend it, but I'm sure most have. It's an old movie. Can't go wrong with a good horror movie on the flip side, uh, nor a good Pixar or DreamWorks movie. I'm starting to get random again, aren't I? Was listening to one of the other podcasts I listened to the other day, and Chris Kelly was on. He was talking about how TNA treat him. I'm sorry, J.J., I might drag on a little here, as this isn't quite as bad as TNA treat him. But check this out. Both me and my wife went to a holiday in Orlando, and one of our, uh, one of our visits a long time ago, we stumbled across TNA. Thought at the time, I stumbled across a gym. While I was there, uh, Christian, Sting, Kurt Angle, and more. But oh, how wrong was I? One night, we get to the arena, and they said after the show, there'd be a meet and greet with Jeff Hardy for $20. I was stoked about meeting him after the show ends he comes out flips everyone off and said get your twenty dollars back and go get yourselves some groceries eric bischoff came out while we were getting our money back and apologized i walk right up to him and i said now i get it he's working as a heel and it's a work to get heat but we've come a long way try you know forty five hundred miles to support this company and we get flipped off i'm done how this company is still around i have no idea i have more but i've taken up more than enough of your time again just quickly WWE, keep, keep up what you're doing, but just stop with the special guest and the bunny. Have a good week, guys. P.S. When I said stop with the special guest, I didn't mean The Rock. Always good to see him. And I didn't mean uh, Joan London. Nor uh, It's more like the Springers and the Florida Georgia Line segments I'm talking about. I agree with you there. I, I don't want to see those guys. I don't mind The Rock coming back. I don't mind Joan London doing a you know shoot promo on cancer. That's great, but... You're right, man. I think those shoot promos where they where they bring all these uh celebrities in to do something stupid, it needs to go.
3: Yeah, and as far as what he says about TNA, I mean I know I know Krelly has been, you know, a huge supporter of them. I mean, he's he's given them more fucking airtime than anyone else. And you know, you, you you read the tweets that Dixie Carter sends out making fun of, you know, freaking typhoons. You, you hear all the things about, you know, when she's gone on Twitter and called fans idiots, basically, and, and just what do you expect? I mean, I get what he's saying. Yeah, maybe maybe you work somebody. But, you know, again, it goes back to what I said before. We wrestling fans, most of us are smarter than that. You don't need to fucking work us when we walk up to you and go to shake your hand. We're beyond that, you know. If if I'm at if, if I bought tickets for a meet and greet, let's say, and Randy Orton is going to be there, I would expect to shake Randy's hand and say, "Hey, man, what's up? I love your work." You know, I wouldn't expect him to fucking RKO me. I mean, I, I get where he's coming from.
0: Well, I think it's ridiculous, and I think for Jeff Hardy to come out and say, "Get your twenty dollars back, go buy groceries," that's pretty fucked up. I don't care if you are redneck and you're on welfare. By God, if you want to spend your $20 on a meet and greet with Jeff Hardy, you should fucking have that right. He shouldn't throw it in your face and say that you have the right to fucking go buy soap and get a bath or buy groceries. That's not his fucking call. Fucking do your job. See, now my
3: response to Jeff Hardy, and this I swear to God, would have been, well, how about I take that $20 and help you pay for your next fucking court case? I might have got my ass kicked, but it
0: would have been worth it. I doubt that. Anyway, I want to thank... uh, mark for that one this one is from last week this is from uh from sean ambrose uh you know brock not being there and ziggler defending the IC title more often it's starting to add importance to that title again so from that aspect it could not be a bad thing you're elementary man and you just stole my thunder in your recap well played sir much respect jj thank you sean we appreciate that
3: absolutely hey whenever someone could say fuck you
0: and you stole my thunder that's what we're all about no doubt (laughs) And I think that's it. That's all we got for this uh, for this go-round. Pretty sure I got everything else. I just know we've been meaning to read these emails for the last couple of weeks. And we have gone incredibly over. Oh, you left out the spam where, you know,
3: we're going to get $50 off on a blowjob. And I love getting those fucking emails.
0: <laughs> $50 off on a blowjob? Where the fuck does this happen? Dude,
3: I've gotten some crazy fucking e. I've gotten some emails to the Get In The Zone account. I'm probably going to have to read them one day. It's like people offering me anything. It's like the minute you open up an email for anything on the Internet that even becomes semi-popular, you get this spam. I mean, it's just it's hilarious.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And I'm just I'm just going to double check here. I'm pretty sure I got everybody. I read Eric's. I read uh, I read Mark's. Yeah. So that's it. And I wrote Sean's. So.
3: Refresh. I, I hate when you end a show and then you find out you got like 30 fucking emails.
0: God damn it. <laughs> I always feel bad if that happens. You know, like I, I try to get emails every week. And I know the last couple weeks it's been, you know, it's been long. And surprisingly, we actually made time. I know we we forced ourselves to make time tonight to do it. But, uh, you know, sorry about that, guys. So keep them coming. Yeah, Eric, I, I got to you, bud. So that being said, I guess it's time to wrap the show up. My wife actually just got home so uh, from her trip since, I think she left on Sunday. So I'm going to go spend some time with the wife. Ooh,
3: yes. Yeah. Spend some time with the wife. I mean, shit, I keep forgetting it's only like. What, Bronx? I keep forgetting like over there you're
0: two hours behind me. Yeah, it's only 10.15 here.
3: So, I mean, shit, it's not that late.
0: So just a reminder, guys, uh, Sunday night, Helen Nacell, Sunday night showdown right here on the SNS radio network. Myself, the Bronx father, Mark the Shark DiCarlo, maybe Shark Junior, Junior and Junior. I don't know. The Shark kids, who knows? Who knows who's going to be on the show this weekend? But uh, we are planning on covering Helen Nacell right here. Make sure you're checking out shows like uh, Beyond the Bell with Sean Beckerman. Shows like the Elite Force Podcast with Walkie and Mindwipe. Uh, the shows that Ashley are a part of, which would be the whole indie show where they cover independent wrestling. And, of course, Sticks and Flicks where he talks about anything and everything from soccer to... I guess they call it football there. To movies, to TV, to superheroes. Fuck, four might even show up. He might even give you a free 60. I don't know. <laughs> you never know with that kid. But... uh Make sure you're checking out all the programming here on the SNS Radio Network. Shows like Get in the Zone with Bronxzilla and uh, what's that kid's name? Uh, uh, Anthony something. Anthony Fartley? Yeah, that's it. Anthony Fartley.
3: Oh, that's great. Oh, I have a lot. I've already got the fucking intro in my head. We're going to start calling him A-Fart from now
0: on. (laughs) (laughs) are you
3: okay i smell some audio
0: a fart in the house that's right that's your new nickname anthony a fart you've earned it anyway um on behalf of everybody here on the sns radio network we appreciate you guys checking us out (laughs) make sure you check out the archive to listen to johnny mundo formerly known as as john morrison for lucha underground uh if you can spare the dockets folks you can donate to the sns radio network and help us pay for some of these costs like the server costs the website costs you know all that stuff that we do with our own money to help you guys have a quality entertaining show each and every week on the sns radio network thanks again for listening thanks again if you have donated thanks again if you will donate in the future we do appreciate it Got a song specially for uh, Bronxilla because I think he's lying to me. But on behalf of Bronxilla, I'm Mr. Money on the Mic, Jeff Jackson. We'll see you next week. Happy trails. I got a feeling he didn't watch DX. He's lying. He's the Lion King. So I'm Bronx did you watch the DX special oh yeah I saw it bullshit I know he's lying. His mouth is moving, folks. He's lying. Lying. Lies. All lies. Fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck
3: you.
1: You're cool. And fuck you. I'm out.
3: Lies. Play the outro, damn it.
0: SNS Unplugged is not affiliated with the WWE, TNA, or any other wrestling and or entertainment
2: organization, and is exclusive to the SNS Radio Network. You, 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 you forever. Unplugged for life.
0: Liar, liar, pants on fire.
1: LIES! ALL LIES!